1: Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Crates alongside, thankfully, finally, after three weeks, Mr. Joe Landon. Joe, how's it going? I am so
0: full of red hot takes with a Z. You I can't are. wait. I'm all fired up. I haven't been on this thing in like three weeks. It's so frustrating. Uh, it, it, it was the worst. I mean, if you can handpick a two week period to be called away on a business trip, you couldn't pick a worse two-week period than the, than the two weeks I got called away for. Right in the middle of everything. WrestleMania week and the week after. Uh, but it is what it is. If you remember, Rich, I guess it was like three or four years ago now, which is crazy. I also did a show from a hotel during WrestleMania week. Because, if you remember, that was the week of that invasion attack where Okada and Tanahashi had that great match.
1: Right, right. yeah, uh, yeah.
0: And that just happened. Invasion attack just happened to fall on WrestleMania weekend that year, remember? And um, I was called away on a trip. That re- that was the New York City year, I think, because I was going to fly yeah, home and yeah, go to yeah. WrestleMania. Yeah, right, and then right. I I had to cancel my plans to go to New York for WrestleMania because I had to take care of work stuff and go away on a trip. And then, um, you know, I, I wasn't planning on... There was a possibility I was going to make a very last-minute attempt to go to Orlando. But then when I found out about this work thing, obviously, that was out the window. But I've been away for three weeks. Every time there's a big story, I got a hot take, and then I remember I can't do a show. It's frustrating. <laughs> I got to get those Joel Anza takes out there. So uh, even though we're doing a phoner this week, which explains why I sound absolutely terrible, um, you know, I, I figured, no, I got, I got to get on there. Plus, you busted your ass the last two weeks, um, and I want to make note of that for everyone listening. You guys have no idea how hard this man has worked. First of all, putting together a double preview of. Uh, audio show last week with what what about eleven or twelve different pieces of audio and and, and 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 bringing on all those different guests, but not only that what what else Rich does is all of those we previewed every show, Rich edits and 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 posts all of those shows on the website, all of the reviews um, i mean I, I, I help what I can when i 'm home, but I honestly i don 't do all that much, and when i 'm gone, Rich is doing one hundred percent of everything with no help. Uh, the man was so exhausted and worn out that he was sick on WrestleMania Sunday. I
1: yeah.
0: And was part of the team review anyway. The man was vomiting, <laughs> took a nap during the pre show for his traditional missing of the pre. Did you ever go back and watch the pre show?
1: No, I never did, no.
0: So you blew it up. And and then, you know, dragged his ass out of bed and and completed the the team review. So Rich, you know, just the last two weeks has absolutely been killing it. And, um, you know, all I contributed, this is what I contributed to our WrestleMania uh, week uh, shenanigans and voice of wrestling. I reviewed one match because Michael Spears' internet went out during the, uh, I believe, the Joey Janela show. And I watched that entire show, so I stepped in and reviewed the Keith Lee uh Hootie face on that show. I can't I even mean, remember. Keith that. Lee was in
1: seven hundred matches that weekend. I, I could not remember who the hell was he against on that oh, show? Uh, was Leo it on oh Leo Rush. Leo Rush. That was right. yeah,
0: yeah. So I stepped in and did a, a – I, I did a run in on, on Spears review of uh of the Janela show and reviewed Keith Lee Leo Rush. I I I still don't have my laptop, so I typed it into my phone in the Slack channel, the review for that match, and then he copied and pasted it into his review. That's all I contributed this entire week. So not uh,
1: uh, you gave you gave Andy Labar the Hot Wrestle Pro takes and all the uh, ins and outs of uh, the lovely New Jersey uh, promotion, Wrestle Pro. So he would not have done that without you. So yeah, you gave him the, the background on all the uh, on the Hit Squad and all the other uh, great WrestlePro. Pro regular ah, taboo club. I filled him in on the taboo club, the the, the taboo club team, Espana
0: feud. What would he have done without that information? But uh, yeah, I did help out Andy with that. But to be fair, the reason I'm not bringing that up is because that, you know, Andy did a ton of research on his own. I mean, he did a crash course on WrestlePro pro and watched a bunch of matches. And I thought he did as well as he could for someone who was, you know, before he did research, completely unfamiliar with the promotion. Thought everybody did a great job this week. Uh, just proving that, you know, who the hell needs me? Oh, I guess I did. Uh, I did jump on shake them ropes this week. So I'll plug that quickly. Uh, I was on shake them ropes, two Oh three, uh, with McCarron and we briefly, uh, reviewed the WrestleMania card. So, and we're going to, I guess, start our show with that. Correct.
1: Yeah, we are. Yeah, we're going to get into WrestleMania here uh, right now. And as far, uh, before we go kind of match by match, um, I, I just let people know, uh, no sponsors this week, but definitely if you want to help us out, go to voicewrestling.com Amazon. All your Amazon purchases you can make through there. It'll help us out, give a little percentage back. And, and if this week is any evidence that we need to not have real jobs, because then we will. Joe will be here every week. He'll never go away. He'll always be here for you. I'll always be here for you, because you're going to notice next few weeks I'm not going to be here. But if you, if you give us real jobs, we don't have to do that stuff. We'll always be here will always be there for you. So voicewrestling.com slash Amazon, I can go on there. Or you can just give us like a million dollars too. Whichever one you want to do, I prefer the million dollars. But if you if you don't have a million dollars and you just make Amazon purchases, I uh, use voicewrestlingcom slash Amazon also uh, WWE shop. There's a lot of sales going on there right now. Voice slash WWE shop. If you ever see anything about WWE, if you ever see them put up a coupon code or whatever, you go to voice wrestling.com slash WWE shop. Anything that you purchase on there will go to us. Cause we had a question about that on Twitter. Somebody asked us, well, if I'm not buying a title belt, cause that was the deal of the day was, you know, title belts or whatever. It's anything you go to voicewrestlingcom com slash WWE shop, anything that you buy on that website, will go to us. We'll get a little bit of a percentage back. So it doesn't have to be whatever their deal is. You don't have to use the coupon code of the day. That just helps you out. That's just deals. But if you do go to com slash W shop, anything that you buy on there will help us out a little bit. We'll get a little percentage back. So let's get into WrestleMania now. Uh, macro thoughts before we go match by match, Joe, what did you think of the show? Because man, it, it, it was probably the me feeling as horrible as I did and me feeling as sick, but I, I, I think this might be the last WrestleMania that I like absolutely a hundred percent commit to watching live because it, the the length of the show, how long it was the, just everything about it. It was when it was all said and done, I just could not wait for that damn thing to be over. And I don't know if you had that same thought, even though overall, when I look at the show, I enjoyed it and I enjoyed the first half a lot, but just too goddamn long. And that's when I, I skipped the pre-show too. And I was already like, all right, let's go. It just, everything felt too big, too large, too much. It's it just, we've gotten to that point at WrestleMania. It's too bloated right now. We got to figure out something here. What, what, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, very quickly before we get to that, what a, what a bunch of dopes our sponsors are. What a week to skip. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if you're, if you're going to pay for a 30 second ad with the exorbitant rates that they pay, because this is a big time podcast, Rich. Okay. We're charging exorbitant rates around here. If you're going to pay those exorbitant rates for the ads, how can you skip this? This show is going to be one of the most listened to shows we do all year. I mean, unbelievable. These sponsors got to get their act together. But uh, now that I've buried them and lost them forever. <laughs> yeah, jeez, um, I was going to say. They're listen, coming back next This, league, is, <laughs> this is not – listen, I'll bury anyone, Rich. You know that. So, uh, you know, we're not afraid around here. You know, Hey. Ex- what what's the intro Say I only remember what I said. Uh, X out hit X. You know we're not afraid of our own shadows around here. But anyway, You're right? Yeah, um,
1: yeah, you know like you know X out. I don't remember. What. I don't listen to our damn intro. <laughs> Hopefully people do. But
0: so uh, yeah. But I mean overall, look. Um, I, I thought look the show was seven fucking hours. And here's the thing, I really wouldn't mind the show being seven hours if they filled the time better. It's just such a poor usage of time, which is what makes it feel so dragged out and so long. I mean, there's really no excuse to have a 7-hour show and then still almost have to cut a match, which is what happened that night. And I do want to note, a lot of people got on our case because we were both on Twitter and we were both saying there's a good chance this Smackdown women's match isn't going to happen because if you just take if you just, you know, look at what they have left and how much time they have left. Um, we both felt there was a good chance they can cut that and rich, but did we take a beating in the mention? Oh, God,
1: yeah. They I mean, it, at 2 a.m. if they want. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I mean, the most frequent counter argument was they're on the network now, they can do whatever they want. And, you know, while that's true to an extent, okay, first of all, you still have curfews, you still have people who have to catch flights, you still have people who have been sitting in the building for seven fucking hours. There's other things to consider. Yes, in theory, they can do whatever they want, but that doesn't mean that they could just run a show until 3 o'clock in the morning. Right, They're it's still also on
1: pay-per-view, too. That, that's the other thing, too. People forget that it's on pay-per-view. It, it, yes, they bewildly, you know, they make fun of anybody that, that orders it on pay-per-view. It, it's still on there. If you want to go on your Comcast or whatever your cable services, you can buy WrestleMania as well. And if you looked at the time that they gave, so I, I went on there when people were going nuts about it, I went onto my Comcast and, and looked, and the, the window was till 11 Central. And guess when the show ended? The the show ended right at 11 central for me. Exactly. Maybe a minute or two over. So they got that extra hour of their window or whatever, but the idea that, oh, they can go to 3am if they want. No, not really. Unless they want their main event to get cut off by cable providers. And, and yeah, that's such a small part of their audience these days, but, It's it, you know. I say that, but it's really not. There's still a lot of people that do it. That's why every single week they have to, you know, make fun of you you idiots for buying it on pay per view. Stop buying it on pay per view, buy it on a network. But they they still offer it on pay per view for people that maybe don't get the good internet or or don't want the network or whatever. It's it's still an option there, and and you just you can't do whatever you want on that. You have a window that you have to kind of work within.
0: It's a short sighted, dense argument, and like you said, they got off the air right at the top of the hour. Okay, so. Don't tell me that they, look, they can go a little over. They've gone a little over for some of their, uh, their events before, but that's with the extra overrun of satellite time that they have on this show, they had until the top of that hour. And that's exactly when they got out of there. So, um, chalk one up for us. Cause then the next day it was confirmed. I believe the official word was that what it was 50, 50, it was really a 50, 50 proposition, whether that match was going to get cut. And it's it got severely cut on time. I mean, they almost... Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. You watched that match, because it was, it was five minutes and 30 seconds. They put a 14-minute match into five minutes. I mean, that was just like, Bell, everybody do their shit, get the hell out, okay, we're good. Like entrances, yeah. like people were like halfway down the ramp and the next person was I mean, was, there was four people on the ramp at a time because they were just doing, okay, out, 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 go, 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 go. So yeah, it's obvious that they were trying to speed that up. If they were going to go to 3 a.m., that match wouldn't have gotten five minutes and 35 seconds. Let, let's be honest. You know, if we're, if we're using that argument of all oh, they can go whenever they want, they wouldn't have done what they did with that match, which was hurry it up a, a, as fast as possible.
0: You've got arena workers who need to get home. You've got buses that need to take people back to their hotel. There's just so much going on. It's not just about having uh, you know doing whatever you feel like doing on your own network there's a million other considerations it's just a yeah, People argument forget, I,
1: yeah c- c- and you said the arena curfews people forget that like you just can't run a show and you just can't have a, a you know a, a stadium lit up with thousands of lights and a bunch of fireworks in a community as late as you want like you just can't you know what i mean like the greater orlando community might not like you at 2 a.m blowing off 7,000 fireworks you know what I mean? Let alone, like, let alone setting, six, <laughs> let alone, let
0: alone setting sixty thousand people into the wild at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's just, <laughs> right, exactly.
1: like,
0: I mean It's just amazing, people. People, I, I, look. I know they were the place they were coming from with that counter, but it just wasn't d- dependent on any sort of logic. But, uh, but yeah So, my my greater point here, um, because of course we always have to pat ourselves on the back for. Being no, you're right. right but, yeah. But, 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 but my greater point here is is what a poor usage of time. I mean seven hours is more than enough time to get in the amount of matches that they had without having to cut anything without having to cut time off of anything. But you know, the, the whole first hour of the show contained what about 15 minutes of wrestling because Austin Aries didn't hit the ring until 6:45. How much talking do Booker T and Lita need to do? Does anyone care? <laughs> Nobody cares. Okay. You could have done that entire match in the first half hour of the show or, the, or, or at least completed the entire – I think it ended right at the top of the hour. You could have done a match and a half in that first hour. Uh, it's just a poor usage of time in the beginning of the show. And then once the show gets going, the, the endless video packages. Look, I get the Vince McMahon philosophy is to treat every viewer like they're watching for the first time, especially for WrestleMania. I totally get it, and I understand why he wants to do that. And then quite honestly, I don't even think it's that bad of an idea. But do you really need to play the full three-and-a-half-minute video packages for every match? Do you really need to play the video packages for the prelim matches, period? I mean, can't you just, you know, stick a camera on Michael Cole and have him set it up for 30 seconds? These are little ways where you can shave time to where you're not threatening to tell four uh, – how many women were in that SmackDown match? Four or six? It was a six-way, uh, six, right? Six,
1: so it was 6 back, yeah, 6 back.
0: Where, where you have to tell six people that they might not be going to the ring, which isn't fair to them, and it isn't fair to the fans who wanted to see the match and all those other things. It's just an awful – they just do not utilize – There is it's such an inefficient use of time. Rich, they had seven hours to work with. It's <laughs> utterly ridiculous. And I don't know if you've read the, the Observer yet. It sort of just came out as we're recording or whatever. But um, Dave Meltzer had a great idea, and I think he's right this is going to be a two-day event eventually yeah
1: he, he it, talked about that on observer radio a few days ago and i actually was going to bring that up to you as well would you be cool with that and i would be 100 percent cool with that I, I think that's a a great idea and it's another way to kind of stretch it out and another way for people to kind of go to the show and and, and maybe you know see a a WrestleMania if they might not be able to or if tickets you know go too quick or, or whatever like i just think that's a really good idea and I, I think it is going to have to go to that too because if you want to do everybody on the show and you want to do all this sort of stuff and this popping and circumstance and all this sort of thing you can do that and make both shows i i feel like if any Anybody can make both shows feel very important. It it is WWE, and they can absolutely do that bump NXT to a Friday night or whatever, the Hall of Fame, I, whatever, who gives a shit what you do with the Hall of Fame. You could
0: do, you do, do, N- do NXT on Thursday and 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 the Hall of Fame on
1: Friday. It's no that's problem. That's true. Yeah, enough. I, I mean, this, and this week set the precedent that, that WrestleMania weekend can start on a Thursday and, and hit the ground running on a Thursday as well, because there was a ton of people there Thursday. Um, yeah. So it's kind of stretch a day, too. So you can absolutely do that. Yeah, you can do Hall of Fame on Thursday, NXT on Thursday, whichever you want to you do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's a good way to go, because you're absolutely right. And one of the, the criticisms, because I was watching with the nurse and and one of her you know her two criticisms were these video packages I mean she was I would leave the room for a sec to go do whatever you know throw up or or feel terrible and she would come back and I go what did I miss and she goes nothing the packages you know the video thing is still going on like and I kept going oh my god and then the entrances too I thought this year and I know it was circumstance I know whatever but do something where the stage is not 800 yards long. I mean, that was torturous to watch those guys have to walk down that ring there. And, and they're just, you know, they're doing nothing there and they're walking out, you know, slowly, but sh- And, and the problem too, is these guys are so used to what they do with their entrance. Like a, a, Chris Jericho stops and like motions to the crowd or whatever. And it's like, dude, you got like another four minutes to get down the ramp. Like, don't stop in motion to the crowd. Like just, just walk. Cause you know, Randy Orton, who, who takes five minutes to walk down a ramp at, at, at SmackDown I mean, he was on that ramp for, you know, four minutes and 50 seconds or something like that. It was, it was obnoxious how long those guys were just walking down the ramp. And like you're saying, that was that would have been a good opportunity to play those video packages while the guys are coming down, play the package. But they didn't do that. They had a guy get in the ring and then play the package and then do the other guy's entrance. And, and it was just, it, like you said, poor use of time because those were two times where it was just like, think of how much wasted time. And I don't know if anybody actually did a study on it. I know there's a bunch of people that do, you know, studies on, on time for Raw and SmackDown and things that happen. I, I'd be interested to see how much non-wrestling time was in WrestleMania because I feel like you could shave off, you know, two hours pretty much of just like people walking to the ring or or entrance packages or concerts or anything like that. It was just so much wasted time. And it, it, it just seemed like this WrestleMania just lagged for so long. And and some of the things were circumstanced with, with you know, the ramp being what it is. But again, they they build that ramp. So if they, they there's ways around it if they really want to get around it.
0: Especially those two hours of pre-show, so much wasted time in the first two hours. of I don't watch it. I mean what's going to sell people on a show Booker T and Lita babbling on and on about nothing or action in the ring. I mean, I would rather show matches to be completely honest. I mean, um, I think that would, that would, is Booker T really talking people into, into buying the network at the way? Do you remember anything they said during? Well, you didn't watch it, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's so much wasted time, but I mean, yeah, look now to be fair, rich, we've defended, uh DDT we've defended uh Wrestle Kingdom. We've even defended WWE where where we say look, if you're going to run this one big show every year and it's going to be outrageously long, if you're going to run a 5-hour show, that's fine once a year. We'll sit through it, we'll enjoy it. It's a spectacle, it's an event. But for whatever reason, well first of all because this was 7 hours, which may be crossing the limit. I mean but but also I I do believe that the problem here was the pacing and it just it just it just felt you know, you're, you're halfway. And especially if you have like guests over the house, forget it. This is no longer an event where you can have a party.
1: Well, and, because and were, a funny thing. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you met. Go and, ahead. And then I'll, I'll mention my, uh, antidote. Well, here.
0: all I was going to, all I was going to say was because everyone wants to get the fuck out of your house by hour five. And then the show still has two hours left. This is not a show where you can have your friends over anymore. And if they do come over, they can't come over until like hour three. Cause you still have four hours left. <laughs> right. It's just, it, You know what I mean? Like, and you're someone who, who, who has these – I had a guest over, but it's a little different. But you're someone who has, a, who has these parties. Talk about that for a minute because it can't be pleasant.
1: No, and we we thankfully did not have anything this year because my, my buddy Dan was going to have people over at his, his uh, apartment to watch it. He was going to rent out his clubhouse at his apartment or whatever because they got big TVs and like pool tables and all that sort of stuff. So we had this thing, and we, we invited a bunch of people, and we kept having people ask because they, they remember from last year. And we had a bunch of people say, well, how long is this show going to go on? And, and we had to like honestly say, or like what time does, does it start? What time do you want me over? And, you know, we had to put like four or five on there and people like, well, what time is it over? And we're like, well, sometime between 10 and 11. And they would be like, uh, maybe. And then, you know, like two days prior, they were out. And then we even had like our hardcore wrestling fan friends that that said they were in, but they live, you know, both of them live far away. They live out in the city or whatever. So it's about a 40 minute drive anyway for them to get back and forth. And they both said, no, I'm just going to watch it at home, man. And that makes it now two years in a row that we've tried for WrestleMania to get people all together and nobody does it. Now, my house. For Royal Rumble was a full house. We had like eight or nine people here because they said, What time do I come? Seven. What time do I leave? Ten. Cool. I can do that. That's really easy. That's three hours of my life. Telling people on a Sunday afternoon at you know, three or four to drive over here and you're gonna be then watching a wrestling event until ten or eleven. Is, you know, maybe for people that are in college, people that are in high school, you know, maybe it's not a bad deal, you know, a bad thing for you. But people that are married, people that are adults, that's a lot of time to commit. That's an entire Sunday that you're ruining. And then you're going to feel like shit that Monday because you're not getting into the door until midnight or whatever. And you got to get up at 5 or 6 a.m. Like nobody's going to do that for a show that, that you know, even if you were super invested in it, that's a huge time commitment. Because so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Royal Rumble, I have a full house. And it's, it's many years now we've had a ton of people come over for Royal Rumble. Two years in a row now, we have not had a soul come over for WrestleMania. Nobody wants to do it, even my fan friends. And, and, and my one buddy who I said, okay, well, we can you know, watch it together, then you can come over. He just said, ah, you know what, I got to get up at 5. I'm just going to go to bed at 10 and watch the rest of the show when I wake up. And That's absolutely what he did. He texted me in the morning, hey, what did I miss? He couldn't even stay up for the whole show because he's got to get to bed you know, and get to work the next day. So it, 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 they've, they've created an atmosphere where it, 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 it is no longer, as you said, a party show unless you have no commitment to nothing to do. The next day, you know, you have to take an entire day off now to do it. And that's, that's, that's hurt. That, that's not great. And I think you mentioned, you know, we, we let DDT off the hook. We let New Japan off the hook. We let those guys when they do a longer show. And I think a big thing too is the structure of the show and the way that the, the matches were kind of laid out. Is that first hour of the show flew by? The I say first hour. I meant the first you know half of the show it flew by. I think the bigger thing, and we're going to talk about it here, is that the last half of the show kind of sucked, <laughs> and that didn't help either. Uh, starting with the you know the Seth Rollins and Triple H match, it kind of fell off a cliff at that point. And I think all be forgotten if those matches all killed. You, if those five you, matches in a row were fucking awesome, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. You're absolutely long. right
0: because because the Japanese structure is the good stuffs at the end. So you're right, leaving on a high note. Yeah. Yes. You're leaving on a high note, and there's escalation. It starts with pre. It's a traditional pro wrestling card. You're starting with prelims, then you have your mid card stuff, and then it just escalates into the main event where it's all the good stuff is packed towards the end. This show, all the good stuff was pat, was front loaded. So then we got to that halfway point, and, and you know I actually noted that on Twitter. I said you know this show so far is awesome, and it has a chance to be an all timer. The problem though is all the good stuff on paper happened already so all of the stuff on the second half needed to over deliver to match the first half and and as we're about to talk about that certainly was not the case i mean a lot of it under delivered let alone forget over delivering a lot of it under delivered i i personally thought there were two duds on the back half of this show and rich i never give out a dud you know me if if you
1: I'll throw two stars if, that is just about the worst match ever. So will I. As, effort, yeah, as, for, yeah.
0: as long as you work reasonably hard and tell a halfway decent story, I'm more than willing to throw two stars at anything. I rarely go below two stars. I'm a guy who likes pro wrestling, you know, and it's, but so for me to give a match a dud, for me to give two matches a dud, they've got to be just epically bad. So yeah, I, I agree. And, and to go back to that other point, I do think, that they should split. I don't, I think it's a good idea to do, look, if you can fill the building twice, why not do it? That's the bottom line. And, and do you have any doubt that they could fill these buildings twice? I have no doubt. they. And plus if you're going to have two brands and two world champions and all those sorts of things, I look, I think it's actually, it, it, as long as they're going to keep selling these out. And as long as I feel like they can fill the building twice in one weekend, I think it's a no brainer to do it Saturday and Sunday. I really do.
1: Yeah, I think it makes for some interesting card structure as well because you could then split up, you know, the big title matches like you're saying, one be on one show, one be on the other, and then you have a fun little thing. You can be, you know, I, I don't think you're going to do it brand specific. I think you'll probably mix them up a little bit, which, which is fine and absolutely what you should do. But then it, it allows, I think, a little bit more importance to certain matches. You know, what I mean, like this, you know, matches that would maybe get buried on this WrestleMania card get a little bit more time because they're on, you know, night one or whatever, and you can do a little bit more build for those and make a. I feel like you make more things important when you do something like that. And and yeah, I think it would be the best idea in the world. World. and and I'm with you I have no doubt that they could sell that build, any building out so I mean maybe, do you have to lower ticket prices a little bit w- whatever yeah I, I, probably, maybe you're making but, it up though because
0: you're running two shows and drawing exactly. 50,000 well, people to both of them it'll
1: be fine like I have no doubt in my mind that they would be able to do that I mean I it You'd be you'd be silly not to think that they could do that. I mean, you know, like I I just think, yeah, it'd it'd be the best idea in the world to do, and and I think we'd all I think benefit a little bit from it, and 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 WWE gets a little bit more cachet too. I mean, you know, I'm not in the business of making them more money, but you know, then they kind of take over that weekend even a little bit more than they already do. Then that's right because if they want to, if they really want to snuff out these indies, if if they're running
0: Saturday, you could kiss all those shows goodbye
1: because no one no one runs against them. Right, so if they're running NXT one night, I mean, that's already a death knell for a lot of the indies because people are going to go to NXT. Then you run, you know, WrestleMania on Saturday and then WrestleMania on Sunday. I mean, yeah, then the indies get basically a Friday night or whatever against the WWE Hall of Fame to do anything. And as we saw this year, there's a lot of people. That you'd, be, you'd be stunned at how many people that go to indie shows mm-hmm. And then bail for those, you know, go to the indie shows in the the afternoon, I should say, and then bail to go to the WWE Hall of Fame. The WWE Hall of Fame still has some cachet among people that love indie. You know, you can love Evolve and then still go, oh, man, but I really like Kurt Angle. I'm going to go watch Kurt Angle or I'm going to go watch, you know, X get into the Hall of Fame. There were a lot of people that I was stunned. I was like, all right, cool. Like, there was a lot of good shows on Friday, but people were at the Hall of Fame. I mean, more than um, more than the fair share of people that I, that I was shocked that I, that I thought would be going to, you know, a bunch of the other indie shows were at the Hall of Fame. So I think, yeah, you dominate that weekend then. I mean WWE does. You know, especially with, you know, the progress in Access and what they do with Access next year if it becomes a full blown indie show. You you split WrestleMania into two days. You have owned that weekend then. You have dominated that weekend. And I don't want that to happen, but I think that's probably the best idea for everybody involved. And I I I'd be um I'd be shocked if that, that doesn't at least come up in conversations uh leading to next year's WrestleMania, but we'll
0: see. I I think with them, um, failing to block the indie companies from running like which they tried to do in california a few years ago and have been unsuccessful to do since um it's very clear they don't want people piggybacking um and by them attempting to block and failing and by them stacking their access shows with progress wrestlers this year i think what you're going to see either next year or the year after is wwe basically running indie shows to counter the indie shows and try to swallow them up, whether it's using promotions that they're already in bed with, or uh, whatever the case may be, um, I think they're going to run shows directly head to head with the indie shows, using the power of their marketing and promotion, and and just beat them the old fashioned way, instead of using predatory business tactics to try to keep them out of town. Um, I think that's what's something else you're going to see moving forward. But um, I guess we should break down this, this, uh, this show here, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, overall, I mean, (laughs) you asked me a half hour ago, my overall thoughts on the show. (laughs) I guess I would just say that um, I thought the first half was excellent. I thought the second half was absolute garbage. And then it it makes it difficult for me to analyze the show as a whole, because even though it had two duds and the second half stunk and it was way too long, I still can't call it a bad show. Um, So I, I guess it was an okay show, in my opinion. I know that you pretty much hated the You're tired of these long WrestleManias, and you did not like the show, correct?
1: Yeah, no, and again, it's really hard to judge, because it felt like it was just a clear line. Like, this, like, after the Hardys match, it was like, here's a line, and everything before that, I loved. I mean, I loved this WrestleMania. I was like, all right, cool, this is awesome, this is good, we can do this, and then everything after that line was just the worst, other than, you know, Brock Lesnar-Goldberg, so I... I was so, I don't know. I'm conflicted in that sense. It's so hard to judge it as a full show because it felt so different. Those two halves just felt like they weren't even the same show. Like everybody went away for a little bit and it was a whole new show. Like, you know, the, 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 they faded to black and then came back up. Like it was, you know, it just felt so different. So it's hard to judge it as a full show. I guess I'm with you. I would probably say, okay. But I really hated that second half, and that's your lasting thought. When you leave that show, you leave with whatever was the finale, and that's what we talked about with DDT and New Japan, why they leave you on a very high note, and you forget maybe some of the crap that was at the first half, whereas this, I forget a lot of the good in the first half because I only remember the second half, because I'm going through this right now, and, and we're going to do this here in a second. I'm going, I'm like, all right, yeah, I like that, I like that, I like that. I'm going through the first half. I'm like, I liked all, everything that was in the first half. And God, I just hated the second half so much. So um, you want to start at the beginning and then work our way down? I will... um, Well, my... On top of all my other
0: technical issues, uh, my iPad just died. So um, (laughs) I have nothing... I, I, I have nothing in front of me, so if you want to walk me through the pre-show that you didn't watch, I can give quick thoughts, and then we can move on to the main card. Yeah,
1: let's do that. So, obviously, the uh, first pre-show match was Neville uh, defeating Austin Aries, uh, defending his Cruiserweight Championship. This match went fifteen forty, so I like they got a ton of time on here. Uh, a byproduct of them being moved off the main show and the SmackDown Women's being moved on is that these guys got nearly 20 minutes. How was it? I heard it was awesome. I just haven't gone back and checked it out yet.
0: Rich, this is a match that I know you're going to say, yeah, 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 I'll go watch it, but you really should go watch it. Um, you should make the time to watch it because it was an excellent match. Uh, You could make an argument that it was the best match on the show. It isn't an argument that I'd make, but if it took place on the show and had better crowd reactions, it could have lifted it to that level because it was well-worked. It was stiff. Aries looked great. Neville looked great. Both of those guys are great pro wrestlers. They just are. Uh, Neville is great in his role. Austin Aries is great in his role and he's over. Uh, that man is over. I don't know what his ceiling is because he's a cruiserweight and he's five foot six or whatever the fuck, but that man is over and he knows how to get over. And it speaks to our cream rising to the top theory. When you're talented and you get over everywhere you go, there's no reason you can't get over in this company. And he's getting over. I mean, the only limitations he's going to have are the limitations that the company put on him. Uh, but yeah, the, the match had great psychology. It had a great finish with uh, Neville going after Aries, you know, previously injured eye. Uh, which then led to uh, the Red Arrow finish. So, uh, yeah, it's a match you should go out of your way to see. I went three and three quarters. um, So, yeah, I thought it was an excellent match.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, we've talked about this many times before, but Neville as a heel is just like, you, you know what I mean? It's like you never knew you wanted it. You never knew you needed it, but goddamn, it's the best thing ever. He's so good at it. And at Raw, like I loved the thing he did at Raw, where where like you know the crowd's chanted a bunch of bullshit or whatever. And I think this was going to be the finish anyway. But he was so able to work. Maybe it was, I don't know, because that's the the theory. And and people didn't watch. You know, the crowd was it was Mustafa Ali versus Neville, and the crowd was just you know chanting shit about beach balls and doing a bunch of stuff, and they weren't paying attention to the match at all. Neville gets to the top, all of a sudden everybody goes, oh cool, the red arrow, and he just goes, nah, fuck you, (laughs) and like puts you know Mustafa in the rings of Saturn or whatever and taps him out. And just says, "Nah, I ain't doing the <laughs> you know, Falcon over you." Yeah, I whatever. think
0: so, I think he improvised. Arrow, I think rather. that. I, listen, I think that was him sticking
1: it to the fans. I do I too. Think people, were... have, people have said the opposite, and I I don't know. I think there was a clear because he obviously he looks at the crowd in in a way where even if the, even if he doesn't, even if that was going to be the finish anyway, his look to the crowd, his kind of like delay on the Red Arrow into the red, in rings of Saturn was perfect. I think that just honed it in. Yeah, whether it was planned or not. I think he still nailed that moment, and we're gonna talk about a guy. And you know, I know you want to talk about something in the main event where you know people don't adjust to the crowd very much, and and this was an example of Neville doing it, you know, to a T on on Raw. But he's so good as a heel, and he's so talented. So yeah, I I'm definitely gonna check this match out at some point. I, that, that, that that Raw that, match. That, the raw match was great too with Mustafa oh, Ali. So and good. I think, yeah, yeah, that one I so think cool. they
0: clearly see something in Mustafa Ali. And I do think he's going to be in line for a two Oh five live push. It's it's obvious they see something mm-hmm. in him and cause he's, the guy's great. I mean, he's another guy who, I mean, he's just, he's great. And you know, yeah, he's super now, remarkable too. Yeah. And yeah,
1: now, that got, well,
0: yeah. now that you've got, now that you've got Neville and Aries and Tazawa and Mustafa Ali. And, and I mean, the two Oh five live show has just taken off and look, it, it, it's not Weird. a magic formula. <laughs>
1: We talent. ranted about it
0: for weeks. <laughs> right. Use your best Use your talent. talent and... All of a sudden, the show's good.
1: Strange how it works. Thirty-three uh, man battle royal for the Andre the Giant Memorial Trophy. I did. I did jump in about halfway through this. So you say I skipped the pre-show, but I, I didn't all the way as I watched this one. Uh, Mojo Raleigh as the winner. Was that a surprise to you? Well, it, it wasn't a surprise. It wasn't. It would have been a surprise if they didn't show Gronk before the match started. <laughs> right
0: and go on and on and on about how he's friends with Mojo. And it's like, all right, well, Mojo's winning. Um, look, it was fine. What do you really expect out of this match? All, all you want it to be is not bad. And it wasn't bad. It was fine. It was a two and a half star battle royal. I have no problem with the geek battle royal being on the show. The only problem I have with the geek battle royal is having some people in it that shouldn't be treated like geeks. But that's just the product of... Only having seven hours and not having time to give the Usos a match or to give Braun Strowman a match. You know what I mean? Like, why wasn't Braun Strowman versus Big Show a match on this show? I mean, it, you know, and it's because their seven hours wasn't enough. I mean, that would have been a great chance to give Braun a good win uh, over a guy on the way out. They had an established feud. So, eh, you know, it's, it's lousy time management. So you have guys who aren't geeks in the Geek Battle Royal, but the Battle Royal itself was fine. I thought it was a lot of fun that it came down to Mojo, Jinder Mahal, and Killian Dane of all people, because who would have <laughs> yeah, expected if would have, that? If I would have
1: said before the match, who were the last three guys, I don't think you would get any of those three. Hey, I said, Joe, give me, what, three, give me the final three of the Edge of the Giant Battle Royal. I promise you, it, you would not have gotten one what of kind those of years. What kind
0: of odds could you have gotten on that?
1: You <laughs> yeah, know? Exactly.
0: Let me ask you a serious question, though was that the biggest moment of Jinder Mahal's career being the le- second to last guy in that battle Royal and doing yeah. the Gronk and,
1: and doing the Gronk spot? The Gronk thing. Absolutely. I mean, Jinder Mahal is all over sports center, all over the world. I mean, and, and, yeah, that's, I, I
0: that could very,
1: what's the next closest Jinder Mahal? I don't What's number two on the list of Jinder Mahal moments. I'd really have to uh, uh, think that could very well end up being the highlight of his pro wrestling career,
0: you know, and, I mean, I'm not really ripping the guy. I'm just saying that was a big spot for him, and they
1: they gave it to him. I'm sure a lot give of the other- yeah, yeah. And that, well, that, that's I always look at that, and people always kind of laugh. I don't laugh. I mean, there's a reason that they picked him for that. Whenever there's a celebrity and they're interacting with a wrestler, they always make sure. It is somebody that they trust with a hundred percent. Somebody that 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 is solid enough. Someone that's not going to do anything wild. Someone that's just exactly what WWE wants. That like you know machine made guy that's just like they know exactly what they're going to get out of him. And that's what you got with Jinder. I mean, that's a huge moment for them to say, yeah, Jinder, you are the guy that Gronkowski is going to work with or, or, or do whatever to. I mean, that, that's that's a big deal. The other thirty men would have
0: loved to have been in that spot to get to have that kind of focus on them in that match. So. Um, and, you know, and they did a well enough job with Braun, I guess, because he threw out a bunch of guys and then he, they had 20 guys throw him out. But I don't know. I think it's kind of it's kind of a poor job by them that Braun Strowman, who they like and they're going to push, ended up in the Geek Battle Royal. It's just it's that wasn't it's it, it, it's poorly done, poorly done if that ends up happening.
1: Uh, I did, unfortunately, miss the Dean Ambrose-Baron Corbin match. So I watched most of this pre-show. I missed the end of this one. I saw the beginning of this match, and then I had to go do something real quick before the, uh, uh, I got settled in for the actual show itself. So uh, I did not see the finish of Ambrose-Corbin, but I assumed that I did not miss a thing. You missed nothing. It was
0: a two-star special. Um, it was Baron Corbin being Baron Corbin, which means he's just average as fuck. Um, no matter what anybody says, this guy is just the most average pro wrestler alive. Um, plus you knew Baron Corbin was losing as soon he, he had the, I'm losing face. You know how wrestlers get the, the, I'm losing face when they're coming to the ring. Um, and they're pouty, you know, he had the Shawn Michaels, I'm losing face. And, uh, he did lose, which was somewhat of a surprise. There's a lot of rumors and speculation around this match. There's a lot of rumors that it was moved to the pre-show because Dean was drunk at the hall of fame. Uh, there are rumors that, uh, there were other, uh, speculation going around as to why this match was moved. Um, the speculation as to why, uh, Corbin lost was because it was moved to the pre-show and maybe they want to make it a bigger moment for him when he does win the Intercontinental title. I don't know if any of that stuff's true or not, but that's the stuff that was going around, but you missed nothing. Two-star match, nothing to see here. Move it along.
1: All right. Now we'll get to the actual show itself. It opened up with AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon, a 20-minute match. I, best match on the show? I... I, I feel, I like Goldberg-Lesnar more, but as far as the match, I mean, that was kind of a spectacle match, and I feel like it's kind of hard to judge against any other match on the show, but uh, this AJ styles Shane McMahon, as far as, like, a pure match that wasn't, you know, this quick, you know, sort of spectacle thing, I, I, I think it is the match of the show. What would you say about it?
0: This was the best match on the show. Um, th- this and the Brock-Goldberg uh, match were the two best matches on the show, but again, this was a fully fleshed out match. I liked this a lot. Um, I think I went four stars even. Um that's the other thing when the best match on the show is four stars I mean you can tell me it's a great show. Um I don't know if there was anyone who really thinks this was a great show but there's no match of the year contender there's hardly any great matches. There were some, you know, cool moments because you know it's about the moments. But um but yes yeah, so to me this was the best match. Um I thought Shane McMahon as always worked his ass off, we knew he would. AJ Styles was AJ which means he was awesome. Um Shane McMahon's performance was a little a little sloppy but not to the point where I thought it 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 completely hurt the match. I think you're great on the curve a little bit for a 48-year-old man who's not a full-time wrestler who tries as hard as he does. At least I do. I don't mind if he's a little sloppy. I don't mind if there's some holes in his selling. I don't mind if his punches look like shit as long as the rest of the match brings it. And that's what I thought we had here. My only minor critique was that the story of the match was a little weird. I don't know if the 50-year-old commissioner should be out-wrestling the ace of, of the SmackDown brand. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me.
1: Yeah, I want um, to talk about that in a sec. When you're, when you're well, I like
0: that, I well. well my thoughts are over, so the floor is yours, my friend.
1: Yeah, that that I really did I, I, you know in a, in a vacuum, I thought this match was good, and I really enjoyed it, and I liked all the this I liked all the high spots, I, I, everything that the match in a vacuum, if it was just wrestler X versus wrestler Y, I loved. The idea that wrestler X was out wrestling wrestler Y, and wrestler Y is AJ Styles, and wrestler X is, is Shane McMahon, was a little weird because that was the story of the match. Because in the in the build up, you know, AJ Styles said, "Oh, well, you're you know, you're Shane McMahon. You just kind of come in. You're not a wrestler. I'm a wrestler." So the match, the the first you know portion of the match was Shane McMahon proving to AJ Styles that, "Oh no, I'm a wrestler," which. No, nobody wants to see that because it looked like garbage. Like, yeah, it was kind of funny and cute that Shane McMahon was rolling around or whatever, but it should have been funny and cute, and AJ should have just looked at him like, what the hell are you doing, man? And then, you, you know, but it was Shane McMahon legitimately legitimately wrestling AJ Styles for like 10 minutes, which is just the optics were weird, it looked weird, and, and it should never happen because the suspension disbelief is just not there. It's Shane fucking McMahon. He's 50 years old. Like, even the nurse was like, why is, you know, and, and she didn't know, you know, she doesn't really know a whole lot of the backstory, but she basically said, why is, this, why is Shane McMahon beating AJ Styles in a wrestling match? And I said, You know what? Michelle, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. And she couldn't believe it because she was just like, Well, this doesn't make any sense because why would anybody believe that Shane McMahon would be able to out wrestle AJ Styles? And I'm like, Here, hey, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, and, and that's exactly what it was. It was just, it was so weird the optics of that. And, and then the match I thought was good when. Because AJ had to sort of resort to, okay, well, I'll bring the weapons in. I'll be the, the garbage wrestler on this, this night or whatever. And in the end, he was smarter than Shane McMahon. He was able to kind of outmaneuver Shane McMahon when he needed to. But the story was still that Shane McMahon was throwing everything that he could at AJ Styles. And in a lot of cases, a lot of that stuff was landing. You know, the big stuff wasn't landing. AJ Styles was able to counter the big stuff. But, like, doing, like, dropped hole holds and, like, doing that, you know, arm drags and all that sort of stuff against AJ Styles, I just, I don't like that. If Shane Man's going to go in there, throw your shitty punches, throw a kendo stick, put a guy through a table, use a chair, do that sort of shit. But, but don't out-wrestle AJ Styles. That's, the, the, the structure of the match was so stupid in that sense. It's, this is where I say, it's like, okay, we have to remember, this is a, a
0: company for children. I mean, they're marketing. So, the good guys are always better than the bad guys. And the bad guys are always inferior to the good guys. And I think that's what we lose sight of sometimes when we watch this company. And we sort of hyper-analyze it in the wrong ways. AJ Styles is a bad guy. And Shane McMahon is a good guy. And the good guys is, are always going to be better than the bad guys in this company. And the bad guys are always going to use underhanded tactics 95% of the time to win. And we sort of lose sight in that. I mean, they're, it's, they're, they're writing this stuff for the lowest common denominator. They're not writing it for us. And this is a perfect example of that. Um, we talked about in New Japan maybe a year ago where there was a tag match for uh, Sakuraba. Bobby, remember when Bobby Fish tried to wrestle Sakuraba on the mat and, Sa- <laughs> yeah. and, and Sakuraba wiped the mat with him? And a befuddled Bobby Fish tagged out to Kyle O'Reilly, who the company was higher on. And then they had O'Reilly sort of go even with Sakuraba. And we talked about what brilliant storytelling that was, right? Because it clearly established that O'Reilly is better than Fish. It established that O'Reilly is on the same level as Sakuraba, which, um, you know, everything worked out perfectly there. Because for a guy like Sakuraba to wrestle even with Kyle O'Reilly, you know, that was a big feather in the cap of of Kyle O'Reilly in the perception of the fans. WWE is never going to do things like that. If you're a good guy, you're great. If you're a bad guy, you stink and you have to cheat. I mean, that's what it's really reduced to. So that's why you see Shane McMahon out-wrestling, you know, the ace of SmackDown. And it is a little silly, but you have to watch WWE with different eyes.
1: Right, and and then when it was all said and done, I kind of went, whatever. (laughs) Let logic out the window. I enjoyed this match. So all all told, I did enjoy it, and I thought it was the best sort of full match of the entire show. So I'll move on now to Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho. This is Kevin Owens defeating Chris Jericho, of course, for the United States Championship. Uh, this, I, I thought the story, it was, it was a nice story match, but I thought it lacked a little bit of the uh, the brawl that I thought we were going to get. I thought we were going to get more of a brawl. I thought we'd get more of, you know, Kevin Owens being a little bit more vicious. And it, and it wasn't that. It was a smartly worked uh, with a lot of callbacks, a lot of, you know, little subtlety. But I really wanted more of a brawl than a wrestling match, and, and we got more of a wrestling match on here. So I was a little disappointed in that sense, and I just thought it never really escalated to the point where, uh, I could have called it, you know, anything that was really, really good. I thought it was solid, but I don't know if good I would use. I would just use solid probably as my, my way to describe it. You know what's funny? Even though the first half of the show was, was
0: better than the second half, I thought the first half of the show had all the wonky psychology and the second half of the show had the good psychology. It's just that the matches didn't deliver. Isn't that weird? You know, it's like it didn't go hand yeah, in hand. Yeah, you're not I... wrong.
1: Yeah, you're right. I'm kind of going through. Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean. <laughs> Except Randy Orton Bray Wyatt, I don't know what the fuck they were going for with that.
0: These guys should have come at. out and brawled with each other. What are they doing, just wrestling a raw match? They're supposed to be these vicious rivals. Ry- One I mean, guy turned, with, turned on he the, him the through other
1: through a fucking t- TV like two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and and, like, and now, like now a they're a having... of weeks ago, he threw them through a fucking TV. <laughs> like I And now put they're
0: yeah, and now old. they're <laughs>
1: yeah. and now they're
0: just doing this catch as catch can wrestling match, you know. And it was good, and it was fine, and it was three and a quarter or whatever, and it was wholly watchable, but it was worked in, in the wrong way, just like the opener was worked in the wrong way. So it's just funny how that worked out. And then a lot of stuff on the back end, like Triple H, Seth Rollins, and even the main event, I thought had excellent psychology, and the stories were, were, were correct, it's just the matches weren't any good. So it's just, it's, it's weird how that worked out
1: uh Bailey then uh defeating Charlotte Sasha Banks and Nia Jax for uh, retaining her, her WWE Raw Women's Championship. Uh you know my thoughts on this match and I guess if anybody read the review you'll know. I enjoyed the match. I enjoyed everything about it, but I was left at the end just going if this was the result, if you wanted Bailey to win, if that was it months ago or even a week ago or whatever. If your idea was we want Bailey to win this match, Bailey is going to beat Charlotte, she's going to pin Charlotte, why the fuck did you not have Charlotte still as the champion? With their pay per view streak intact, and make it a moment. That is, if they're in the moment creation business, WWE, and if WrestleMania is a moment creation factory, then why the fuck wouldn't you do that? I, I was dumbfounded when I saw Bailey pin her, and I went, "Okay, I, 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 don't understand why you did that." Then, because if you're gonna, I fully, if you, if you wanted Charlotte to beat Bailey and, and and become, you know, and and prove herself as the ace of the division, makes all the sense in the world why you did what you did. But then Bailey pins her. It's been Charlotte to retain the title. Made no sense in the world to me. I was like, "That is your moment right there." Bailey beating the streak, winning the title for the first time at WrestleMania in a big moment. The streamers can come down. She can cry in the ring. Like that's your moment right there, right? I guess not. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, you're you're I you're 100%. It was a hundred moments, Joe.
0: A you're a hundred. You're 100% right. I feel like I've talked about this ad nauseum on Twitter on Shake Them Ropes in our preview uh, when we we talked about that they were going to do the four-way. We've been complaining that they were going to do the four-way for for weeks, if not months. Um, The proper proper play here uh, was Bailey and Charlotte one-on-one with Charlotte coming in as the champion and Bailey beating her for the title and ending her pay-per-view streak all in one shot on the biggest show of the year and standing tall. That would have been a great moment as it was because they had to shoehorn in Sasha Banks and Nia Jax for some reason. And because they had to blow Bailey's big win before WrestleMania, this match was flat as a pancake and the finish just didn't contain any of the excitement or, and, and, wasn't the big moment that it should have been. They blew it. Sasha Banks and Nia Jax should have sat this one out. They weren't the hot acts coming into the show. It was the, the obvious story. Was Charlotte and Bailey. That should have been the story coming into the match. You have a seven hour show. It's going to be a theme of this review. If you wanted Nia Jax and Sasha Banks on the show, you had seven other hours to get them on the show. You didn't have to put them into this match and ruin the match. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, the match was fine, but it was totally forgettable. And, and Bailey was stripped of what could have been a career defining moment. It just didn't happen. Um, you know, so. Let me, bring, let me pitch something to you that I pitched uh, to McCarron on Shake Them Robes. Would you like to see a return of the days where the people who are the hottest acts in the company earn the WrestleMania spots coming into WrestleMania? And like, if you were Sasha Banks this year and you weren't really involved in the hot storyline and you have to sit it out, maybe that doesn't make Sasha Banks happy, but doesn't that motivate her for next year? Isn't competition good? Don't you want to see... Uh, uh, you know, uh, the people who truly deserve to be on the biggest show of the year, be on the big show. What do you think about that?
1: No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm 100% in favor of that. And I think, and I mentioned this in the preview of this match as well, is, is even aside from the idea that if you told Sasha and Naya, hey, sorry, we're going to do Bailey charlotte you're not going to be on this match, we'll we'll fit you in some way, or or maybe we don't, whatever. It, you know, regardless of, of all that, if you had told Sasha and and, and Naya and you told Bailey and Charlotte, here's this idea that we have. We're going to have Charlotte come in, you know, hot as ever with, with, with the pay-per-view streak and tack and with the title, and we're going to build this thing up, and it's going to be a big deal. We're going to put it near the top of the show or whatever, and Bailey, you're going to win, and it's going to be a giant moment. Do you think Sasha or Nia are going to go, no, we want to get in there. No, we need to, you know, we, we want to shoehorn our way in there. I am, I, 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 totally believe that, that especially it being the women's division, that both Sasha and Nia and anybody else would say, no, let, let's, that's a big moment for our division. That's a big moment for our friends. That's a big moment for, for women in general in this company, for there to be a big-time match, a match that's built up well, and a match that means a lot on this show. Because if you had Bailey and Charlotte and built this thing up for a few months, you it could have been the summer main event. You know what I mean? Like, it could have been right up there. I think that's a way bigger moment than, oh, look how many people are on this roster. Oh, you know, Lifetime Achievement Award for these people and get them on the show, whatever. Like, I just think that does nothing. That that If I was Sasha Banks, I'd feel cheap. I'd feel like, no, you know what? there's a moment that you could have created here. There's a, there's a real sign that you could have said, Hey, we're going to get really behind this two women's match. I mean, cause go back. I, in history. I, yeah. I agree with what you're saying, but at the same time, I wouldn't care if Sasha Banks is, is annoyed
0: or, 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 I, you know, because it, the whole idea would be, look, then, then, you know, make sure that you're one of the two most women next year. That's the way it works. Right. Unfortunately, you know, th- that's how wrestling has worked forever. That's how life works. You know what I mean? They, those two women had no business in that match. Why not give them a singles match since they were sort of paired off in a program coming into this anyway with all the Nia Jax Sasha stuff? Give them a match in the first hour of the show when you wasted 45 minutes before Austin Aries got in the ring. And say, look, you don't want to be on the pre show next year. I don't know what to tell you. Be more over than everybody else then. You know what I mean? It's just tough shit. This wasn't your year. Deal with it. I don't know. Maybe I'm coming off cold and abrasive, but I mean, I'd rather have the hot singles match with the people who are over who are telling the right story than just throwing everybody in a match.
1: I, yeah, I find I, that I more that,
0: disrespectful.
1: Well, I, I find it demeaning in a lot of ways too. Cause I mean, go back and look at the history of, of women's matches at WrestleMania. They're all multi-women. They're, they, they, yeah. I think it, I think you actually have to go back to Mickey and, and Trish in WrestleMania 22 to find the last one that was just two women out there, wrestling. I think the year after they had something like Ashley versus... I don't know who the hell it was, but they had like... It was the Lumberjills thing where they would have everybody come out and they're all the Lumberjacks or whatever and they did all that shit. So I, I don't know if I really count that as a two-on-two, but the last time when it was just, hey, here are two women that come out here and we're just going to tell a story with them, it was that WrestleMania twenty two match and that was a career-defining moment for Mickey James. It was a career-defining moment for that women's division for a while and that's one of the best matches on that entire card and it was built up well. It was a well-told story and it was a well-told match and you created a star out of that with Mickey James So it's like you that's the template there, but instead they do the, let's get everybody on here. And that's, to me, that's more demeaning than anything. I I would, if if I was one of them, I would go, no, 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 make me, you know, build up something that matters. Don't just give us a token. Okay. Everybody get on here. Let's get out there. Okay. There you go. Like, and and if you,
0: and if you you think I'm banging on Sasha banks here, go back and listen to the tapes last year. I didn't want Becky in the match. I wanted, I wanted Sasha and Charlotte in the match. And they, they, it was a three-way and I I was not in favor of that. I didn't think Becky should have been in that match. I will always take, unless you have a great story to explain a three- or four-way, give me the one-on-one match. It just means more.
1: All right, let's move on here to the Fatal Four-Way Tag Team Ladder Match, the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. Of course, uh, the big story out of this was the Hardy Boys re-debuting with WWE, uh, winning the titles in this match. What do you think of the match first off before we talk about the Hardys a little bit more?
0: A perfectly acceptable, super fun train wreck. Uh, exactly yeah, what like you it. would
1: want it to be. Um, It it wasn't the best
0: ladder match I've ever seen. It wasn't the best ladder match I've seen this year. Um, You know, it probably wasn't the best ladder match that weekend. I haven't seen the ROA show, (laughs) but the, the Hardys and the Bucks are getting rave reviews, but I had no problem with it for its spot on the card and what it was and all the excitement that the Hardys created when they came out and the enormous pop that they got and all the cool, fun spots. I enjoyed the fuck out of this. And this was the point in the show where I was like, wow, everything on this show has been at minimum pretty good. And this has a chance to be...
1: I think everything felt fun and, like, unique, Mm -hmm. and and, and that's, after this moment, it was like, all right, cool, we've had, like, the matches have been pretty compact, they've been about 10 to 15 minutes so far, whatever, everything's felt, and this was just so fun, and it was just like, yeah, all right, this is a big party, everyone's having fun, everyone's doing good stuff, everyone's working their ass off, everyone's giving full effort, because this is a match that regardless, yeah, and that's what I said in my review is, yeah, it wasn't up to the snuff of of most ladder matches, it probably wasn't better than the Ring of Honor one, it probably wasn't better than, you know, the past Hardy Boys, you know, Edge and Christian Dudley's ones of, of years past, but Everybody worked their ass off in this match. Every single person said, "Okay, we have X time or whatever. It was 11 minutes. We are going to work our ass off." And not, there was not a single person in this match that took it off. That that said, "Hey, no, I'm not doing that." Everybody did their own little thing. Everybody was able to have their big moment. Everybody was able to have you know do something you know fun and different and interesting. And it was all surrounded by the Hardys coming back to so the crowd, was just molten hot the entire time. So I love this. I thought this was a, a an amazing match. And yeah, this is this is the point where the like you said, the show did a, a line in the middle, and it was like, man, this was a whole lot of fun. And this is you know on pace, to be a really fucking awesome uh, WrestleMania. And then we had the mixed tag match. Nikki Bella and John Cena uh, defeating Maurice and The Miz. And of course, after the match, John Cena proposes to Nikki Bella, asks for her hand in marriage and yay, and everyone's crying and so happy and whatever. At that moment, I, whatever, that was, that was fine. I, I enjoyed that. But the match itself, because we're nerds here, we don't give a shit about that stuff. We hey, care about the hey, match. Hey, what?
0: You don't make fun of that. I It was a nice moment, Let's See. and Nikki
1: Bella deserved it. There we go. So there's our correspondent, our, our, our marriage correspondent. Our engagement correspondent, um, uh, this nurse, doing a run-in. But the uh, match itself, because we're nerds here, Joe. We don't give a shit about the uh, the engagement. Uh, the match itself, I thought this thing fucking sucked. <laughs> what did you think of the match? I thought it was just a match, and I don't think
0: it really mattered, though, because it was just a device to get to the post-match. Um, yeah, but the match was a nothing match. I mean, there was just nothing to it. It was a. What what was your favorite spot of the entire match? What was the spot that I you remember for the match? Rich, I couldn't even recall one to be honest with you. I went in um, my
1: review. I don't. I think I said I don't. The match is just finished, and I, I don't remember anything that happened. Well, like, well, I, I there think, you go. All
0: I, think I remember Nikki
1: may have done a suicide dive at one point. Did that? All happen? I
0: remember is the double s is the double fireman's carry, and then the double stfu or whatever he calls it now. That's all I remember. Right. So. Um, or the double what i don't even think he, I, i'm not even remembering that right wasn't it a double five knuckle no. shuffle
1: <laughs> they did a double five knuckle shuffle and there's just ran in there i don't know if you heard her but the the, the, the double five knuckle shuffle and then they both did their she did like the the rack attack or whatever and then oh right uh right. cena did the uh aa or whatever so that was i like don't even think loop. that's you right i think we're on. totally <laughs> botching all of this
0: um i don't
1: remember who
0: cares yeah it really wasn't nothing match the other thing is um, I know that a lot of people were into this story. I don't give two shits about The Miz and John Cena and Nikki Bella and I, it never, This feud never captured me the way it captured other people. And look, I know that The Miz was fantastic all along in the feud, and I know that all four people really did a great job in this feud. It just didn't. Look, we all like different things in our wrestling. This feud didn't really do anything for me, even though I can concede that it was well done and that other people loved it. So I wasn't into this. I wasn't invested in it. you know, the proposal, it's whatever, I guess it was, look, it's going to be the moment that is most remembered from this WrestleMania. I think, Um, I think that's fair to say. And I think the nurses run in there shows you that, you know, for people who aren't super hardcore nerdy fans like us, that was the moment on this show, you know, and it affects several parts of their business. It doesn't just affect wrestling storylines, but it affects total Bellas and total divas and all of those branches of the company,
1: which, Hey, uh, unsurprisingly, guess what debuted this week? exactly new season
0: so <laughs> so yeah so i mean i didn't have a problem with any of it it just you know the match was nothing and match and the post match was what it was and it was all okay i mean i'm not you know i'm i don't i don't have any reason to bury any of it but i don't know it just wasn't for me i didn't really care about any yeah. of it
1: it's not for us we're that's this is definitely a part that was not for us and that's why WrestleMania is is a variety show Yeah, i want to see uh, guys beat
0: each i want to see guys beat each other up you know
1: but i can also yeah.
0: accept that there's people who follow the company who want to see different things and that's fine
1: sure absolutely uh, speaking of uh, in, uh, long matches that beat people up, uh, Seth Rollins defeating Triple H in a non-sanctioned match, which has a referee and rope breaks and rules and all that sort of stuff, but still non-sanctioned. Uh, this was one of my first duds. You gave it a dud, so, um, one, right?
0: I didn't give this one a dud.
1: Um, okay, but I gave this one. A, I think, I gave let, me two,
0: go, let me go back I, and make sure. I gave two other matches a dud, which means collectively we fact. gave three matches duds on this show. <laughs>
1: Let me see if I got um, this one done. I'm pretty sure I did. So. I think
0: you did. I think you did. Uh, well,
1: <laughs> here's the
0: thing about this match. I thought it was well worked. Um, it was functional and well worked and all of those things. It was just boring as fuck. And it just did yeah. nothing to capture my imagination. I did nothing to invest me in the match. Um, the person ah, that I half had half. over. One and, uh, one and a half. That's pretty lousy rating, though. Um, you know, I had someone over watching the show and. I, I swear to God, Rich, he fell asleep during this match, which tells you all you need to know about it. Um, I couldn't take it anymore. I'm like, this match just, it never, it felt like it. I think it was like a 17 minute match. How long was it? Like 20 something minutes?
1: What would you guess? I, w- I want you to guess.
0: I was going to say how- 17. But no. I was going to say 17, but then I remembered it being over 20. So was it like 21 minutes or something? Uh, higher. Wow. How long was this match?
1: 25 minutes and 30 seconds.
0: But the thing is, it felt like it was an hour because it was just so non-compelling and fucking boring. This was, I mean, this is Triple H at WrestleMania. That's what this was. Just a boring as fuck match where he's the only one who gives a shit about it. It it just, it did nothing for me. I just, you know, uh, to me, it was a two-star match. I don't know. I just, it's just boring as fuck.
1: Yeah, the thing that I, and I wrote this in the review as well, the thing that I just hated about this match is is you could have told this exact same story in half the time. You know, if, if could you have gotten the same story over with Triple H doing five minutes of knee work instead of 15? Yes. Could you have gotten, you know, with... Could you, you know, done the entire match if, if Seth Rollins, you only mentioned his injured knee 100 times as opposed to 7,000 times like they did? I mean, yeah, you could have, everything could have been done in this match in half the time. But it's just, it's like you said, Triple H at, at WrestleMania. It's it's just a maspiratory thing for him that he just got to go out there, have a Harley race style 30 minute match where he, you know, does 600 elbow drops to someone's knee and focuses on the body part or whatever and and, and snarls and gets his sledgehammer out and like but yeah it absolutely it killed the crowd too and that's you know we can say whatever we want whether you and i enjoyed it or what you know whether other people enjoyed it the crowd was dead absolutely dead for it which is a triple h wrestlemania specialty i mean he can blame it on being after whatever because that's the old you know, game two is, oh, I had to follow blah. You can't follow blah. It's too hard to follow blah. We obviously should have not been after blah. It's too hard to do that. You know, he's used that excuse four or five times. I don't know if he has any excuse for this time because that match has absolutely killed the crowd and it took a long time for the crowd to get back. And I think it actually it really hurt the next match too, which we'll, we'll talk about too, which wasn't good on its own merit, but was dead to rights from the beginning because people were just done with that Seth Rollins Triple H match. You had Stephanie to go through the table and that was the one moment where people kind of rose up. But I thought even Seth Rollins' comeback, nobody cared. No, people just wanted this match to be over. They were just yes. happy the match was over, more so than Seth Rollins winning. It was like, oh, thank God, it's finally done. All, like, all that's they, a, no, no, no. All, all they cared about was Steph's table bump.
0: Right. That's what they cared. They popped for the table bump. They, no one cared about it. The meat of the match, there, it, was getting, it was getting the same reaction it was getting in my living room. People falling asleep and nobody giving a shit. That's what it was. But I can't, you know, it wasn't a good match,
1: no. Then we get to Randy Orton Bray Wyatt. Randy Orton defeating Bray Wyatt, of course, to win the WWE Championship. Uh, this was a dud for me. Garrett Kidney gave it a dud, and Warren Taylor, our reviewer, gave it one and three-quarter stars. Joe, and I, I went, and i duds as well. And, I, and this is one of my duds as well. This was wrestle crap. It was absolute <laughs> shit. It was
0: embarrassing. This was the kind of match where, if you're watching wrestling, you're embarrassed when someone comes in the room. And you – and Whoever comes in the room to see you watching this has every right to say to you, why do you watch this shit? That's what. And this you was. don't have a good answer, and you have a horrible
1: you, – you have and to you, look at and, – and you have to look internally and have an existential crisis of like, I don't know. Like,
0: yep. You have to say, I don't know why I watch this. I watch it out of habit because this is absolute fucking garbage. This had no redeeming value whatsoever. Um, the, the projection screen with the maggots and the snakes and the worms, Rich, people were laughing at that. It wasn't getting the desired reaction. No one in the building was taking it seriously. At least it didn't come across that way on TV. How could
1: you? I mean, come on.
0: It was eliciting laughter, and that wasn't what they were going can't for. You can pitch
1: that idea and have people and, – and think that people are actually going to go, oh, my God. Wow. Holy crap. Like, Rich, I, I Rich. Can't, I can't imagine. But here's the thing. I think you're going to see more of it.
0: I don't think you're done with it. I think this is going to be a Bray Wyatt thing now. So, I mean <laughs> – Look, I
1: have,
0: listen, I am, I, I am proud to say that I was number one numero uno on the anti Bray Wyatt bandwagon. And I'm still there. I have no use for this man. I have no use for his character. I have no use for his goofy promo. I have no use for his dirty wizard magic trick. I have no use for Bray Wyatt. I want to, I want him gone. I want him gone. If I wasn't in a hotel, I'd be screaming right now, but I can't scream. I want this man gone. I have no use for Bray Wyatt. Total waste of television time. I just, I don't understand the appeal. This is something where I don't understand why anyone would enjoy watching this man. I can't comprehend it in my mind.
1: I can't. What's the appeal, Rich? (laughs) I've never been into it either. Uh, there was brief periods where I where I enjoyed it, but because I enjoyed the, the character itself, I love the Bray Wyatt character when it first, when the NXT Bray Wyatt character, and even when he first came up. It was fine, but yeah. then as we said the salty hammer they got the idea that they can do silly stuff with him they can have you, you know a hologram come in the ring they can have a TV explode he's got magic powers or whatever when he was just kind of like a, a weird cult leader guy or whatever that he didn't have magic powers he just had the power of, 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 of spoken word he was able to to brainwash people by talking by you know being a leader by being a cult leader doing that sort of, that's that's a character right there that's some salty that's really doing it then he became a magic show and now it's just like why would you care about this It's 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 Unbelievable, and that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And yeah, I had um, I had casual fan friends who were were, were messaging me and, and sent me a message the next day saying like, "Hey, what was going on with that match?" And I was just like, "I, I don't know. I I, I know just he, my shoulders what, and so, yeah, like I don't know. I like sorry. I, I it's can't, embarrassing.'" An answer.
0: You know what Bray Wyatt is? I'll tell you what he is. You hire a magician for your kid's birthday party, and he pulls up in a 1978 Ford Pinto and kind of stumbles out of the driver's side with a half-empty bottle of whiskey and he smells, and he hasn't showered in a week, that's what Bray Wyatt is. And I don't understand why it's entertaining to anyone. Um, I, I just don't – and, and he and – let me tell you something. I don't know if you've ever heard interviews with this guy. He thinks he's a fucking genius. He thinks he's mm-hmm. the most brilliant pro wrestler around. He thinks he's, this, he's so outside the box, and he's, he's going to be the biggest star in the world. And, uh, you know, what he's doing is – and he really buys into his character. Like, the guy isn't a fucking – the guy's a dope I've had enough of him. He need he really needs to just go away. He's the kind of guy where you hope he, he like strikes it rich in another side business or he loses interest in wrestling or he's not happy with his push and he kind of just goes away and does something else. Unfortunately, he comes from a wrestling family. And I think we're stuck with this
1: with this goofball for the next ten years. What do you think about Randy Orton's performance here? Do you think he was put in a no win situation or do you think Randy phoned in as well when he found out that now, he's Randy, gonna be listen. rolling around? rolling around in maggots on a projected screen that he's supposed to act like he can see even though it's projecting onto him so there's no way he would actually be able to see it. Randy Orton stunk in this match. And I thought so too. Okay. I, I'm glad I'm not he, the
0: only one that the entire match was lousy. The finish was flat. Um, and there's a very good chance that when Randy Orton saw the layout for this thing and all the goofy stuff that was going on that he mentally checked out of it and didn't give a <laughs> shit. Because that's Randy Which, Orton. A Randy totally, <laughs> So
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, and I could totally see him being annoyed. With with all of this, and I thought Garrett Kidney made a great point when he said, "The whole storyline was stupid. What was Randy Orton's master plan to join? <laughs>
1: did, to you, join... did you listen to that <laughs> in our preview? It was great. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'll walk everyone through it. So his master plan was to join the Wyatt family, correct. win the Royal Rumble, correct? Give up his title shot, correct. then turn against the Wyatt family so that he correct. can beat, so that he can re-earn his title shot. I, it's just none of it made sense." <laughs> right. You know, I just, none of it makes sense. And you, you, you just tell that they did that on the fly week to week. And the ironic thing was while all this was going on, people were putting this over. Remember all of that talk? Randy Orton has never been this over. Randy Orton's doing so great. And this is such a great story. Oh, what are these people drinking? This was absolute shit from start to finish. And it was a fitting end to a horrendous feud. And I'm glad it's over. Well, hopefully it's over. I didn't watch SmackDown this week yet. Cause I'm, you know, I'm stuck in San Antonio, Texas in a hotel room. I I haven't, yeah, I, watched, I
1: haven't watched anything. YouTube, yeah. <sighs> well, at this point I was ready to check out. Cause I was also like horribly sick. I was like, I, I, this is the point where I actually messaged everybody during this match and said, Hey, I might leave. So just so you know, here's a contingency plan. Cause I might check out of this match, uh, out of the show because I cannot, I was the clock and there was, you know, an hour left or an hour and a half left or, or whatever. And I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Thankfully though, Goldberg and Lesnar happened. Of course, if you haven't seen this match, Brock Lesnar defeats Goldberg to win the Universal Championship. I went four and three quarters, and and, and I kind of want to defend that because people were like, "Oh, geez, that's pretty high." When I look at it, and and, and you know, it was a full-on match. Like it, it, as we said, AJ Styles and Shane McMahon was a better match. But when this was all said and done, you, you know, when I think about nerdy reviewing of matches or whatever, you look at everything and you go, "Okay, what was the purpose of this match? Did both guys give full effort? Did it tell a good story?" did it get the correct guy over did it this match did everything perfectly you know what i mean like so yeah it's technically it maybe it, it it's not like the way we rate it and we shouldn't rate matches that way and it it wasn't an epic in that way but when it was all said and done i looked at it and i went well that was exactly what it needed to be and it did everything exactly how it should have done it so i could i had no complaints when it was over no i hear you i thought it was a great fucking match
0: i mean you know i, I this is a match that had me off of my couch and standing and pacing in my den i mean they were just throwing giant bombs at each other and, and, and killing. This was exactly what it should have been. And I loved this feud start to finish. I loved every interaction these guys had. You know I was a big fan of the squash match uh, that started the thing off. And, um, you know, I thought both men were tremendous here. I thought Bill Goldberg put his body on the line and, and, and trusted Brock Lesnar. I thought Brock Lesnar um, was very careful with Goldberg, very careful. If you look at those German suplexes, he really took care of Goldberg. He really took care of him. Uh, He landed flat on his back on each one. His head never came anywhere near the mat, but yet it didn't look like it wasn't dangerous. It wasn't the old, quote-unquote, business-exposing sort of uh, work uh, that sometimes you see. Like when Brock worked with Undertaker, and he worked light as a feather with him a few years ago, and it was obvious he didn't want to hurt him, I thought it hurt the match. Here, it still looked real, and it still looked dangerous, but he really took care of Goldberg. Um, yeah, I loved everything about this. It was perfect. I wouldn't have changed a thing. And it was probably my, it, it may have been my favorite match on the show. And, or, or you know, either this or the uh, the Shane AJ match. Those were the two best matches on the show for me. I, I loved every second of this. This was this gave a little shot and a badly needed injection of excitement during a just terrible stretch of, of this
1: show. Yeah, I, I thought I was stunned. That Goldberg took as many of those belly to backs or Germans or whatever that that he did. I I was I thought maybe one maybe two. I mean he took so many of those. I've never seen him take. I and, and I didn't see Goldberg. You know Goldberg didn't bump in 1998, <laughs> let alone 1999 right. or any other time or when he came back to the. That guy just never bumped. You never saw that from Goldberg. And 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 all credit to him. He worked his ass off to get into shape. He worked his ass off to get to this moment. And he said, you know, and he full well could have, he had all the leverage in the world if he would have said, nah, I'm not doing that. Nah, I'm not doing those yeah. spots or whatever. But he said, yeah, let's do it. And and, and, go, and and Lesnar was just as good in this entire match too. The frogs, or, or the, uh, the, the leapfrog over the spear was just an incredible moment. And, oh, and what just, I can't you know, believe I forgot. What a great spot that was. I'm glad you brought up. That's my that. favorite I'm spot awesome of the entire, body. like that, that's one of my favorite spots I've ever seen. Cause it was just like, you, you don't, you see it coming, but he's so good at doing it at the last minute.
0: Because, you know, a mm-hmm. guy would
1: have maybe telegraphed that, a guy that was a lesser athlete or a lesser worker than Lesnar. Lesnar just waited for yeah. the exact moment and did it. And you're just like, holy fuck, that guy is just unbelievable. I mean, Lesnar does so much with so little. Both these guys, I mean, I think that's the story of this entire match. Is we talk about these masturbatory matches, these 30-minute matches, these dudes in five minutes, we are just, we, we've went over every moment of this match. You know what I mean? They did so mm-hmm. much in those five minutes that we have now basically talked for longer than the match was and broke down every single spot in the match. And that's a credit to them because they made every spot in that match mean something. Whereas you have Triple H for 25 minutes working over Seth Rollins' knee and I don't remember a fucking thing from that match. I don't care about it. Nothing registered for me at all when it was all said and done other than, oh, thank God it's over. These guys in five minutes did everything they needed to do and made it just a perfect story and a perfect moment. And, and, and we remember it. I remember it vividly. The match is going on in my head right now as I'm talking about it. And I remember I, every listen. moment, every single step. And that's crazy. I'm a huge fan of Lesnar. I, I can't take my eyes off
0: the guy. I think there's just something special about him. There's a completely different vibe with these Lesnar Goldberg interactions. It's a completely different vibe in the building when these two guys have a match or have an interaction. There's sort of this buzz, and I it think feels what like a really
1: hel- you know, it does. It it feels like a fight, yes. And I'm not an MMA fan. I'm not a boxing fan. But I, I jump in every so often and watch big MMA matches or watch big boxing. And that's what – when those guys enter the ring, there's a different – because I watch the prelims and you're kind of walking around, you know, doing whatever. And then, you know, those big matches. And there's just an aura that comes with yep. those guys. With When a Floyd Mayweather walks out to the ring, you know, when a Conor McGregor, those sort of guys, it just – there's an aura, there's a feel, and, and you don't get that with wrestling anymore, except with a guy like a Brock Lesnar, I should say American wrestling, because you get that, but what, you only get that with Brock Lesnar now, where when it comes out and it's like, alright, like, this is different, and you got to watch, and that's the other thing too, I can go back into the other room and come back and Triple H is still working over Seth Rollins' knee, I can you know, leave for a minute and come back and, and Roman Reigns is working over The Undertaker... You can't leave during Brock Lesnar. It's like you got to call everybody into the room and you got to get there. It almost feels like, you know, and I I was in the later half of this, and I'm sure you had a little bit more of it, but Mike Tyson fights. It was that way where it was like, all right, Tyson's on. You don't leave this fucking room because if you leave, you're going to miss something. So everybody's got to look at the TV. You can't move. You can't cough. You can't eat. You can't drink anything. you got to just focus because you don't know what's going to happen. This guy's going to have five minutes of your attention. And you cannot take your eyes off of anything that he does. I love Lesnar, and I am so happy he's champion again. I know we were the I only two the world I, that liked his title reign. I like it because when you know when that music hits and that title's out there, this fucking means something now. You got to pay attention now. I love that. It's not mundane. It's not every day. It's not yep. you, you know. It's not boring. Nothing about Brock Lesnar. It's like all right, attention time. Yep, you Hopefully, nailed it, and I love he's, that. Yeah,
0: he's Mike Tyson. He's he Chuck Liddell. He's Floyd Mayweather. There's an aura about him. And, and the thing about the matches with Goldberg and really every Brock match is the reason they're so exciting and that you're at the edge of your seat and that you can't take your eyes off of them is because all of those pro wrestling fan instincts that you have where you sort of know when the finish is coming and when it isn't are thrown out the window. Because his matches are worked in a completely different way and the matches can end at any fucking second. And that's why you're, you're captivated because it, it has that quote unquote real fight feel. And no one else brings that to the table in this company. I love his first title run. I'm glad he has the title again. I'm glad that the title isn't going to be on TV every week. I'm glad that he's only going to defend it sporadically and he's not going to defend it on every pay-per-view.
1: Yeah. He's not on the like that. people are going nuts about the Netflix. Oh, he's not on backlash. Thank God. It's something Good. different then. Good. Yeah,
0: right. Because I it, like
1: that. It, it
0: keeps him special and special, it keeps the title award. matches. Yes. It keeps the title matches special. And it, it, it gives the title a completely different aura. When he was champion, the, that, that title felt so important. The title did not feel important when, like, did the SmackDown title feel important when Bray Wyatt was running around with it? No, absolutely not. It, it, this guy holds the title. It feels like the most important thing in the world. And his matches are just so compelling. And that was the problem with the second half of his show. Nothing was compelling except for that match. And it was all, bro- and, and Goldberg too, give him credit. But I mean, that's that Brock factor. And you can, and, and remember all those dopes that were saying, ah, well, Goldberg squashed him and then he threw him out of the Royal Rumble. Uh, why would you care about, uh, about another match? But give me a break. Brock Lesnar has proven in both MMA and wrestling that you can beat him like a drum and he loses nothing. It, it doesn't fucking matter because he's that special. It, the losses don't hurt this guy. He, you know, he was a 500 fighter in MMA. And if he had another I, I fight. The, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, he can, he can lose these matches and, and and lose these fights and come back and people still want to watch him because he just has that special aura.
1: I was one of those dopes, but only because I thought the, the build was kind of weird. I thought it would have been better if Lesnar uh, had beaten over build, No, whatever, but, but yeah. see,
0: that's where you're not wrong. The build was weird. And there isn't justification for him getting a title shot. But I'm saying once they're in the ring and the bell oh, rings. Yeah.
1: No, I had no doubt it was going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. And that people were going there to was care. No, in, right. People this, are going to care.
0: These, sure. This is a repeat argument from UFC because people complained when he got title shots and was putting these big fights. What did he do to earn it? And, and yeah, it's like but once he's in there in the cage, once he's in the ring, you cannot take your fucking eyes off this guy. And it's an entertainment business. And that's what it comes down to.
1: All right. And then uh, of course we had the SmackDown women's match. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, I guess if you have any other thoughts, it was Naomi uh, defeating Alexa bliss, uh, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Mickey James and Carmella to win the SmackDown women's title. Um, I don't really have any super strong thoughts about it. We kind of mentioned it again. It was, you know, a 10 or 15 minute match condensed into five minutes. So uh whatever. And Naomi winning, I, I, again, it felt kind of lifeless because you just have a bunch of women in the match and they had a rush and Naomi's win should have meant something, but it really didn't. So I, I, I don't know. I, I I don't really have any strong thoughts about it. I know some people really loved it. I saw some people say, oh, it's the second best match on the card. And those I know people are nuts. I don't know. I mean, oh, God. No, who's saying – wait yeah. a minute. Who's well, saying that? Yeah. You can find, you, you
0: people – you kidding. really – that's a legit I see, opinion I out there?
1: Saw that. Yeah, I, I legitimately saw that from a few people. And I oh, was
0: come crazy. on. It was a five-minute match where they just rushed through everything.
1: Yeah, well.
0: I mean, there was nothing wrong with it, but, I mean, come on. Give me a break.
1: It was if the most desirable. important match on the card. <laughs> Joe, you, oh, come on. No one said Twitter that. that night. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, okay. All right. But, but I mean, like (laughs) if that was the
0: second best match on the card, this was the worst show of all time. I mean, come on. I mean, this was, (laughs) there was nothing to this. This was so forgettable. I mean, there's just nothing to it. And I don't know. I don't even have any thoughts about it. It was just, it was, it was a, well, it was a six minute fucking TV match. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It was, it wasn't bad, but I can't call it good. It was just there.
1: And then the main event. Roman Reigns defeating The Undertaker. Joe, I know you have a lot of thoughts about this match, so I'll let you go first because I don't really have enough uh, or a ton. I gave it a dud. Um, Really quickly, though, I thought the thing that really hurt it it was just like I I just thought it was a really weird way to end the show, a really downer way to end the show. Uh, I didn't like that. If you knew it was going to be Undertaker's last match, I thought you could have done a lot more in the build to make it seem like it was. You could have done a lot more in the build up to this match and you could have done a lot more in the actual match itself to really put it over. This was Undertaker's last match. And then I thought the match structures itself, if this was going to be Taker's last match, just didn't work for me at all. And, and I just thought it was a really weird way to end the show and just a really negative way. Uh, to end what was a really bad last half of the show, too. It just felt, at a certain point, like it was just Roman Reigns beating up on his grandpa, and it was like, I don't want to see this, nobody in the arena wants to see this, and it doesn't do a very good job, unless there's some longer story that you're going to tell with Roman Reigns, which I don't know if they're going to do it, but in that moment, it just felt very weird and very awkward, and I I just left not really liking it, and the match itself I thought fucking sucked, too, (laughs) so it didn't really help either. I give this one a dud, and I assume because you haven't given another match a dud that this is your second dud of the night as well. This was dud number two. Um,
0: This was the worst WrestleMania main event of all time. And I don't say that flippantly because I went back and looked at them all. And this was the worst WrestleMania main event match uh, out of the 33. Um, It didn't work on any level. The match itself was terrible. The work was sloppy. The crowd didn't care. Um, It was total indifference from the crowd. Um, The people who didn't like Roman didn't even bother booing him at the, I mean, I know they turned it down a little, but he didn't get those ferocious boos that he usually gets. It was, I think people.
1: Yeah, it was, it was awkward. And that's, what I think the, the, the feeling yeah. in the arena or the stadium rather was that too. It was just like, stop, like stop beating him up. <laughs> like, and it wasn't mm-hmm. a heel thing. It was just like, Oh man, like Taker really looks old and like, he might be hurt. And he looks like he's dying every time you're, he's taking a bump. Like, just stop just it's enough already like that it yeah. felt like they just wanted everybody to go home it was just like just just end the match just do a superman punch do a spear and and let's go home because this is really weird and and we don't like it
0: and if the work is terrible and if there's a ton of botches and if the story doesn't get over um and 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 if the fans don't care that to me is a dud this was a terrible match and it was hard to watch and it was uncomfortable to watch and you're right it was awkward um about halfway through this thing I thought it was like an average television main event. You know what I mean? I thought it was like an average raw main event that we were watching, um, which wouldn't have made it the worst WrestleMania main event of all time. It would have put it in the middle somewhere. Um, And with a good finish, it would have finished, you know, top half. Um, But it was so bad. It was just, um, from there, it just fell apart. And then it was so bad after that because then Undertaker either, had a concussion or was he was visibly gassed uh there's a lot of speculation he may have had a concussion either way they blew a bunch of spots most notably when roman was going for the tombstone he dropped undertaker three times that tells me that undertaker was dead weight he couldn't help get up he couldn't help himself you know what i mean he couldn't help Mm -hmm. roman get up
1: And that's Um, one of those moments, too, and I mentioned in this match, as I was watching it, and people asked me, oh, why'd you hate that match so much? And that was one of the moments, because one of the things, and it's when those, when botches happen sometimes, and especially on that big of a level, and and something like that, you, my suspension disbelief immediately shut off, and it was just like, okay, he's hurt, this isn't good. Just go home. I'm done. I, yeah. You know, and 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 we're still, you know, we're the the you know the insider nerds and the sparks and all that, or sort of, you know whatever you want to call us. But we still, when we're 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 a match. I still I still you know in that Brock Lesnar, you know Brock Lesnar uh, Goldberg. I was still hyped up. I was going all right. Let's go. Let's go. You know this is awesome. But when the botches happen and it's on that level and they they go back and try it again and then they try it yeah. a third time and my my disbelief is gone and I'm just like okay guys. It's not working. It, just go home. I felt awkward for them. I felt horrible I did. for Roman Reigns. I felt horrible for The Undertaker. I felt horrible for everybody in that stadium. I felt horrible for the announcers who have to say this. I felt horrible for everybody backstage who were looking and going, oh, God, it just felt like everybody in the arena was just like, Ey. you know what I mean? Like, the awkwardness was just so permeating through that entire arena at that point. And I was just like, all right, it, it's over. I'm done. I don't care. Nothing in this match is going to get me back. I was gone, and it, it shut off. My brain, my, my disbelief brain shut off, and I was just like, all right, we're, we're done. And there were more botches after that.
0: Um, right. and that that was the problem. Like, look, guys are gonna botch sometimes. You know, it happens. You don't want it to happen in the main in the biggest show of the year, but it's gonna happen. But again, going for the same move three times in a row and then not getting lost and not knowing what to do once it didn't work, which look, Roman is still very inexperienced. I know there's a lot of people who like to pretend that he's a great wrestler. He's not a great wrestler. He's a very good wrestler. He's good. There's a lot of good matches under his belt. But he tends to get lost in situations like this. He doesn't know how to adjust. And the other thing about Roman is he doesn't know how to get himself over. And I'm not just talking about people booing him out of buildings. This is two years in a row where he was in the main event of WrestleMania. And if you want to blame Triple H for being boring like we just did, fair play. If you want to blame The Undertaker for being 52 years old and terrible, fair play. I can't argue with either of those points. Here's what I would say, in, 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 you, but here's the thing. You can't, at some point, the Roman Reigns defense squad has to stop excusing him. Let me ask you a question, Rich. With a boring Triple H or with a broken-down Undertaker, do you think The Rock would have gotten eaten up in those two matches and not gotten himself over? Do you think there would have been indifference at the end of that match if it were The Rock? What do you think?
1: No, I, I don't. Okay.
0: What if it was I Hulk Hogan? For that, yeah. What if it was no. broken down 50-year-old Hulk Hogan against broken down 52-year-old Undertaker? Do you think Hulk Hogan gets over in that match?
1: Absolutely. How I mean, about, we John? Hogan, how about, we saw Hulk Hogan and The Rock completely dominate at WrestleMania by doing basically four things the entire match, including one of them staring we, at each other, right? <laughs> like yes, doing nothing. And, they got the crowd and was, just fucking that's a, great, out and that's a great. And that's
0: a great comparison. Was that a great pro wrestling match? Absolutely. But did those two guys get
1: over? You see what I'm saying? Oh, like, I, I, yeah, no, no. In, in Technical wrestling match, no. Yeah, a, but did those two guys quotes, make it special air and get over? Match, no, but they, the, yeah, exactly. They made it a, a, a big moment. No, it was good. I'm going to say it's a good match. It wasn't a good, quote, wrestling match. I'm doing the air quotes as I'm saying that. Okay,
0: let's go right down the line. Would John Cena have laid that wet fart against The Undertaker that night? Hell no. How about Stone Cold Steve Austin? Do you think? he would have had a problem getting the story over and getting himself over in that match that night against the undertaker. Not at all. This is my point. And people listening might be saying, well, you're comparing Roman Reigns to four of the greatest wrestlers of all time. That's exactly what I'm doing because that's what the company thinks he is. That's what the company thinks he can be. And that is not what Roman Reigns is. And it is not what Roman Reigns ever will be because he isn't likable And if you don't believe me, turn on raw the next night. Okay. Or turn on any raw for that matter. He's not likable and he doesn't have it. He doesn't have that thing that these other guys have that intangible quality where they're going to find a way to get themselves over in any situation. Roman Reigns does not have that alpha dog mentality where he grabs a match by the fucking throat and owns it and makes it his and says, and in the literal sense, I am the fucking big dog in this ring. And I'm the, he doesn't have that. He's not an alpha. He just isn't. He doesn't have what those other four guys that I named have. And I can go down the list and, and do it with other people too. But that's not And that is why Roman is never going to be what they want him to be no matter how hard Vince McMahon pushes this man because he doesn't have it. And I've been telling people he hasn't had it since 2013. And they'll keep arguing with me and they'll keep being wrong. Roman Reigns is not a megastar and he never will be because I, I, I saw it four years ago, five years ago. It just isn't in him how do you work two WrestleMania main events in a row and allow this to happen? Okay, maybe against Triple H, you give him a pass because he's in there with his boss. I, what are you going to do? And it's a tough spot, right? Here's a guy who Triple H eats everybody up. No problem. Let's give him a pass. But in this match, I can't do it, Rich. I don't care how bad Undertaker was. And I concede that he was awful. You couldn't be any worse than Undertaker was. But this does not happen to any of those four guys that I named, And that's what they think Roman is. He has to find a way to get over. He has to adjust. He has to change what he's doing. He has to adjust on the fly to a dead opponent.
1: Yeah, I thought that was... The, the three botches in a row was like, all right, dude, no. Like, you, you just don't you, – you don't have – like, you're saying that it – because no guy would – if you couldn't get him up once, you say, okay, we're not doing that, and then you kick him or you do something, and then you tell Taker, okay, we're, we're changing everything, man. Like, here we go. It, let's say, hypothetically, that Taker was concussed. Then you have to get down there and go, okay, I'll, I'll run the show the rest of this match. Here's what we're going to do. And it felt like they had their plan, and they were going to go through that plan no matter what, even if Taker was – either whether he was concussed or couldn't do – Physically, what you wanted them to do, they were going to still do what they wanted to do. And 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 I guess you know, from some people's standpoint, they're going to say, "Well, well Undertaker's the veteran, da 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 da." da. Reigns is, yeah, two WrestleMania main events in a row. He's been the man for four or five years now. He can take over that ring if he wants to. He can no, say, "That's here, the thing." Here's that's what the we're thing, doing. though, doing
0: yeah. He can't. He doesn't, right. know, no. what, he doesn't well, know. He doesn't know how to do it. To.
1: Yeah. Right. Right.
0: That's my. This is my whole point here. He isn't that, and he never will be. And that's why you can't call this guy great. I'm sorry. He's not great. He's not a great wrestler. He's a good wrestler. He's a good little wrestler. This guy's not a great wrestler. I don't care how if you think his punches are good. I mean, give me a break. This guy falls flat on his face again. And those other guys who, and let me tell you something, out of those four guys I named, Rich, here's the thing. This is what's weird about it. I'd probably take Roman bell to bell over at least two of them and maybe three of them. But that doesn't matter if he can't if he can't get himself over in these, in these situations. Right. I think he's a better wrestler than the rock. I think he's a better wrestler than Hulk Hogan. And I think he's probably just as good, if not a little bit better than what stone cold was at that stage of his career with the yeah, blown out knees Stone
1: cold. Else. No, but, but attitude era stone cold who, yeah, no, absolutely. Attitude era stone cold was let's punch, punch, kick, let's, kick, brawl to the outside or let's go home (laughs) but he made it but he was
0: such a fucking star that he got and he knew how to get himself over this guy doesn't know how to do that i thought what was a really good point
1: oh go go ahead go 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 with your point
0: and and john and john cena not only would john cena have have found a way to to get himself over in that match, but he would have had a passable match with the undertaker too that's the other thing when the match falls apart roman doesn't know how to fix it So you're gonna tell me this guy's a great wrestler? We're gonna have people come into our mentions, Rich, and tell us that he's better than Kenta Kobashi. This happened. I don't know if you saw it.
1: I did. That was a true story.
0: There are people who are telling us that this man, let me tell you something. Kenta Kobashi could would get in the ring with literally no knees and do nothing but chop and have sixty thousand people in the palm of his fucking hand. That's a star. Roman Reigns can't do, can't get, he he has has people bullying him. He's not a star. People don't like him. He's not likable. You're going to compare him to Kenta Kobashi? Please. I mean, people are so off the reservation with this guy on both ends. Because forget the Roman defense squad. Those people are all fucking mentals. The other end of it, the people who bash the guy relentlessly like he's the worst thing ever, they're just as crazy. Agreed. No yeah. one no one is fair about this man except us. I'm thoroughly convinced that no one is fair about Roman Reigns. You're the only one's fair about this guy. He's a good wrestler who can't fucking get over to save his life. And doesn't know how to if he's faced with and like a lot of guys who come out of the WWE system, if he's faced with any adversity
1: yeah, in, and that's in a match, part of it too. I, he I don't doesn't want, know how to handle it. Too. Yeah, and that's absolutely a caveat too. I don't think I, it's an excuse at this point. I don't think we can continue leaning on it, but yeah, he comes out of the system where they don't teach guys how to do that. But you're at a point now where after a few mania, man events, after being a man for four or five years, you, you got to be able to kind of let that go. If you're going to be that next level, if you're going to be that next, you know, generational star, you have to be able to do that. I mean, that, that's just the long and the short of it. And people can use that as an excuse of, Oh, well they don't give guys the latitude to do that anymore, but you can grab the latitude if you want. If you're that oh, good, bullshit. you'll grab the latitude. Right. <laughs>
0: like, you find a way to get it. look. And now they're enabling Roman Reigns because now the narrative has shifted. Now it's, well, he gets a reaction. And that's all we ask. Who cares whether it's booze or cheers? Bullshit. That is such awful, lazy, transparent spinning when people say that. When they say, oh, well, he gets a reaction. I would agree with that, that it wouldn't matter that it's booze if, he, if, if, if this guy moved television ratings, if this guy sold house show tickets. He does none of the above.
1: If he was John Cena, yes. <laughs> right. That's right. because you're, That guy can get reactions and be fine.
0: There is no evidence that this man moves business aside from tell, selling T-shirts to children. Okay? He pushes merch. That's fine. So did CM Punk. Was CM Punk a next-level star? No, because he didn't move television, and he didn't move pay-per-views, and he didn't move. You see, okay, he's, I'm not saying Roman Reigns isn't a star. That's not even what I'm saying. He's a star. He's a Randy Orton, CM Punk level star. He is not a megastar. He is not uh, someone who can carry the company. And that's what they think that he can be. That's why he's put in a position to retire The Undertaker. And he falls flat on his face when they give him that opportunity to do it. They hand this guy everything on a silver platter, and he's not good enough to eat it. It's patently obvious. And the Roman Reigns defense squad can continue making excuses for this guy, but they just continue to look foolish. And this weekend was the worst of it. You really showed some ass if you defended this man this weekend with, with the bevy of excuses that he gets every time he fails in a situation like this. The guy's not great. He's good. The guy is not a megastar. He's just a star. And if you accept that, you can enjoy, we can all enjoy this guy a little more. The people who think he's total shit who are wrong and the people who think he's better than Kent the Kabashi who are wrong, if we'd all just meet in the middle where we are, we could all just enjoy this guy and enjoy the ride. And, and the most important person who needs to realize this is the guy in charge. Because this, this is not the guy. And he never will be. Never will be the guy. And if, you, if Vince McMahon listened to me in 2013, we wouldn't be having this discussion. Joe Land's no those stars. This man's not a star. And he continues to prove me right. And I'll continue to go on these 20 minute rants until the end of fucking time, if they keep pushing this guy, and it keeps not working. This guy's the best thing for this podcast that ever happened, because it just makes me right all the time. And I love being right,
1: Rich. Uh, so I've heard.
0: All right, I'm getting out of control now with the ego, so y- yeah, yeah. you're taking well, it. No,
1: yeah, yeah. no, this is actually, I, I didn't know that Garrett made this point, and I'm glad he did, because I was actually going to come on this podcast and make this point, but Garrett Kidney in our review made this point, and, and I'll read exactly what he put. Uh, in his review of this on, on voice of Uh he put for a match built around the undertaker's last stand and Roman needed to put him down a la HBK flair for at WrestleMania 20 and undertaker uh, HBK at WrestleMania 26. The whole thing was weirdly devoid of emotion. And I thought that that's exactly what I was going to come on here and do. And I put that in my notes mm-hmm. and it was something I really wanted to talk about is, you know, People can say all they want about what the match was and how it worked, and it was it, was a, way to, you know, it was a way to really put Roman over and make it. So he was conflicted. That's why he, he was conflicted that he had to do this to the Undertaker. He was conflicted that he had to put the Undertaker away and all that sort of stuff. I didn't get that in one fucking second of this match that Roman Reigns felt conflicted in any way that he was destroying the Undertaker. I felt this was the normal Roman Reigns doing his, his the Roman Reigns face that we all know and love. You know, he just kind of has this this blank stare about him. And you know, they showed you know some pictures after the match where he's got his head in his hands and he kind of looks like he's upset or whatever. But those two matches, and I'm so glad that Garrett brought those two up because that was the exact two I was going to bring up. Is both of those were matches where guys were retiring other guys, and it it absolutely fucking killed them that they had to do this to stars. And these, those, both those matches were built up the exact same way that this bu- match was built up, and they were worked in very much the same way, where HBK and Flair WrestleMania 24, I don't know if I went back and actually rewatched both of these matches before uh, this WrestleMania, so I'm glad that they're kind of fresh in my mind, is HBK was so far ahead of Ric Flair at, at, at 24. It was obvious Flair was done, and to HBK it was obvious Flair was done. The only person that didn't think that he was done was Ric Flair. And the match is HBK the entire time just going, Rick, just it's over, man. I don't want to have to do this. And, and Flair just saying, come on, no, you got to let me, you know, if you're going to beat me, beat me. I'm not going to lay down for you. You have to just destroy me. And that's the famous moment where, where HBK, you know, Flair's on his knees, you know, looking at HBK, HBK's looking at him and HBK's just like, I I don't want to do this. And, 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 and Flair going, no, you, you got to do this. You got to do this. And then, you know, the the famous moment of HBK saying, you know, I'm sorry, I love you hitting him with that super kick and pinning him and ending Ric Flair's career. That is, I mean, you'll go back and watch that. You know how that's going to end. You know what the thing is, but that's emotion. That's going, oh, my God, that this guy just ended one of the greatest careers in pro wrestling. And HBK grabbed that, that moment by the balls, like you said, and made it that much more special. You, you get a lump in your throat when you watch that match. It is, it, 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 still to this day, it does that. Then I went back, and I watched The Undertaker, HBK, actually, and that's the exact same thing as well. HBK is grabbing the Undertaker's pants during that, half of that match. He's just, he, he's lifting himself up on the Undertaker and the Undertaker keeps looking at him and saying, stay down. I don't want to have to do, I don't want to have to kill you. Just stay down. And, and that's an important part of this match too. The, the, the ring, inside the ring, they're saying that. They're visually giving that cue. HBK is making faces. HBK is saying, no, no, you know, stay down. Undertaker's doing that too. Even though Undertaker's, you know, this, this shrouded character, this dark demon or whatever. In this match, he's showing empathy. He's going, no, I, I don't want to have to do this. And, you know, he does the tombstone, and HBK kicks out. He does the Hell's Gate. You know, Sean gets to the ropes. He does this, and he does the last ride, and, and, and HBK kicks out. And he, he has the same thing of, like, don't, don't make me do this. I don't want to don't have to do this. And, and there's a great moment at the end of the match where, where Undertaker's standing over HBK after all those moves, and HBK is one by one, you know, sort of using Undertaker as a ladder to get himself up. And Taker is just kind of like, you're making me do this. He picks him up, and he does the jumping tombstone. Now, they tried to do the same thing with Roman Reigns, where he does the, you know, the, the spear off of, you know, he, he bangs off you yeah. know, three of the ropes or whatever and does it. But so lacked any of the emotion that those two matches had. Go back and watch those two, and you'll see the crowd is on the edge of their feet. The crowd is, is crying. The crowd is going, no, you know, oh, my God. You know, in, in many cases, they're telling Flair and HBK, no, just, just lay down, man. It, it's okay. You, you got none of that emotion in this Undertaker match. You got zero of that emotion. Maybe that's the problem is they didn't build it up as this is going to be the Undertaker's last match. But I think you could have told a story that Reigns really felt conflicted that he had to do this, that Reigns really didn't want to do this, and you didn't tell that story. You told a story that Roman Reigns was a cocky asshole that wanted to beat the fuck out of this old dude. And if that's the story they wanted to tell, more power to him. But I don't think that's the story they wanted to tell. No,
0: it wasn't. But that's how it came off because he's right. not likable because he right, isn't exactly. likable
1: and so he, he'll never be likable. Yeah, those matches weren't awkward, even though those were, you know, a, a guy in a better shape beating up a, you know, and yeah, there's not the same, you know, age difference or whatever, but still that was, you know, HBK being way ahead of Flair, you know, still in his prime and Undertaker still, you know, in his prime against the HBK that was winding down or whatever, both those moments were guys just, it, it didn't feel awkward. It didn't feel like a guy beating up an old guy and and, and laughing about it. And that's almost in a way what this Reigns one felt like because he just wasn't able to convey that emotion that it was killing him inside, that he didn't want to do this. And people can say all they want about what they did at the Rock after you know, mania and, and, how the, you know, Reigns goes out there and, and does a smirk and says, you know, this is my yard and all this sort of stuff. I want to see a few more weeks to find out if that's the story that they wanted to tell. Cause I really don't think that they wanted to cap off the Well, of the here's the thing. With... That's the story, but that's the story they have to tell now
0: because he has, because this man does not know how to connect with crowds and he does not right. know how to get over So now, like I said, they're shifting the narrative to, well, he gets any kind of reaction. So the boozer, but that wasn't the design here. That wasn't what they wanted him to be. It's what he's now forced to be because he had, because he doesn't know how to connect with crowds and he, and and he just, he's not likable. That was the main thing. All those years ago, when I said that this guy's ceiling was Randy Orton is because I did not see him as likable. He didn't have that, weird extra bit of charisma that these other guys have that you just know when they have it.
1: Well, and, and the I thing mean, too, with the, again, we'll, we'll go back to those examples of, of Flair, HBK, Undertaker, and, and, and those three, is people in these matches, because what you do in these matches when you do these kind of finisher the, the end of the careers is you humanize these guys. And you make, regardless of what Ric Flair was as the wrestler, the nature boy, that was Ric Flair the human that people were, were invested in. That was HBK the human. That was Shawn Michaels, Shawn by hey, hey, whatever the hell. That was him. You were invested in the, the human of that, even in the Undertaker HBK. is this larger-than-life guy, but in that match, he, he sort of broke from that and was the human Undertaker, going, Shawn, I don't want to do this, man. Like, you know what I mean? And, and that's a moment that you can really sink your teeth into and really get invested in. Roman Reigns was still Roman Reigns the wrestling character, which is the problem with Roman Reigns all the time, is that he never conveys any sort of real emotions. He never conveys any sort of... You can't root for him because he just doesn't seem like a very likable guy. He doesn't seem like a guy that you really invest in, the, in, in, in him winning, and in, in his success. And It's just kind of Roman Reigns, the wrestling character. And, and you're never if, if that's always what he's going to be, you're never going to get that next level connection with him because that's what pro wrestling works best when people care about the people that are also the wrestlers. You know course, what I mean? Like there, there's course. a certain level to that. People can, can, can poo-poo that all they want. Bullshit. The reason Stone Cold was over and, and, and the Vince McMahon thing was over, and they always said it at the time too, who doesn't want to beat the shit out of their boss? This guy's out there beating the fuck out of his boss. That's cool. I want to do the same thing. The Rock was the same guy. This guy's larger than life character, larger than life persona. Once he, 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 the Rock ceased to be Rock a wrestling character and was just fucking Dwayne, whatever the hell the Rock was at a certain point. And that's when he got most over. When he wasn't Rocky Maivia and all that sort of stuff, when he was just a real human being. Roman Reigns. No, was when he not was no, no, when, he, when, when
0: when the Rock was the coolest guy in the room. That's when he got right. over because he's the guy and, that every guy wants to be. He's the coolest fucking guy in the room. What is right, Roman? What is yeah, Roman? That's, that's, Why would I like that's, him?
1: That's my thing. I never got, he's, he's still Roman Reigns, a wrestling character, and you're never going to get that next level until you break that from him, and, and I don't know if he's capable of breaking it, because I don't know if Roman Reigns the real person, is anything that's really engaging, and that, that comes through. The best wrestling stars in the world, the best of all time, every one of those guys you can go through, which one of them are just boring as fuck human beings? Is Terry Funk a boring as human being? Do you give a shit about Terry Funk the human? Because I do. Terry Funk's awesome. Yeah. You know that he's a human. Mick Foley is the greatest example in the world of a guy that, that at, at a certain point, people stopped rooting for mankind. They stopped rooting for Dude Love. They stopped rooting for Cactus Jack. And they said, oh, the guy behind this character, Mick Foley, and WWE knew that too, the way they built him up in those Jim Ross promos and all that sort of stuff was Mick Foley the character, Mick Foley the human being. Yes, he was playing a character, but people got invested in Mick Foley. Go, go up and down the list. Go through every one of your, the, the biggest stars in pro wrestling. All those guys were able to get people behind them because there was the human side to them. They were a wrestling character, but people invested in them as a human being. And, now more, and now, now more than ever, and
0: now more than ever that
1: matters. Right. It's, it's
0: now more than ever, especially in a world where, you know, there is no more kayfabe. And it's like, it's just a different world. And that, that stuff does matter. I mean, he comes off like a prick on Twitter. Uh, we've talked about that a million times. And, uh, yeah, I mean, and now we live in a world of Roman alternative facts. It's just there's always an excuse for why he can't get over. There's always an excuse for when his matches are bad. Um, Look, the guy had a bad match, okay? It came at the worst possible time. It was the biggest match of his life. He should have done some things to – look, he couldn't control how bad the mechanics of the match were because Undertaker was so bad, but he was in full control of getting himself and the story over, and he failed. Roman Reigns dropped the ball. No one wants to hear that, but it's the truth. He dropped the ball. He, he was in full control of getting the story over and getting himself over. And then he pouted because when he pinned the undertaker, if you look at the look on his face, he knew that stunk. And he knew he dropped the ball and he knew it was bad. He's not, he doesn't have the talent to overcome situations like that. He just doesn't, he doesn't have the natural ability and he doesn't have the talent and they're not teaching people that in that factory in Florida either. This company really needs to start taking advantage of excursions. They have to figure out a way to do it and get these people who are street recruits in front of different kinds of crowds, whether it's Japan, Mexico, Indies, whatever the case may be, because these people are not learning how to get over with different crowds. I don't think Kevin Owens drops the ball in that match. Kevin Owens makes something watchable out of that Undertaker match. He's been all over the world. and He knows how to get over. These people they learn in a factory. They learn the WWA, and that's it. And they, they don't work in front of different crowds. And I think that's hurting a guy like Roman. It'll hurt a guy like Mojo Rawley. It'll hurt the Drifter. Whoever you want to name who's coming out of that system. And, you know he's, he's not a. And that's why you can't call him a great wrestler. Not a great wrestler. Great wrestlers don't drop the ball. Drop the ball in a spot like that. That's a big match of his career. He can't let that happen. Just a, just an embarrassing match. The worst WrestleMania main event of all time for a number of reasons. It just is a pathetic match. And, and, and the whole story of this WrestleMania should have been this man retiring the Undertaker. But that's like the fourth story of the show. It, it's yeah. because he was so poor in the match. It's not all on the Undertaker. And believe me, I, I know how bad the Undertaker was. That man never needs to be in a ring again. And he never will be. But you can't. I'm not letting Roman off the hook. I'm sorry. Not not here, not on this show, not where people are, are being fair. I can't let this man off the hook. Terrible job
1: by Roman Reigns. That's a WrestleMania recap. Uh, you want to move on to uh, NXT now? Yes. Okay, I think we'll do NXT much quicker than we did WrestleMania. And then we're, uh, just people that know, we're going uh, to preview New Japan, uh, Sakura Genesis uh, on the show as well. And then we're also going to talk about uh, the other shows that we watch over WrestleMania weekend. So this isn't just WrestleMania. Uh, we are going to dive into some other stuff here at the end of the hey, show. Hey, Rich, we'll remember the- when we, we said we were only going to do like
0: 20 minutes on WrestleMania before we went on the air? An
1: hour, hour and 50 minutes, yep. I, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, I remember that vividly. But hey, I, I think that was good stuff there. We, we, we got a lot of macro stuff out of there too. And I think uh, it, it went in directions more than just, breaking down the WrestleMania matches. I think we got to some big picture stuff, too, which is, is always good. I think we, we're at our best when we do that. So I enjoyed it. But uh, let's talk about this NXT uh, TakeOver show real fast because I don't have a ton of super strong thoughts about it. But uh, we'll start from the main event and then kind of work our way back. Uh, Bobby Roode versus Nakamura. Uh, Bobby Roode, of course, defeating Nakamura to retain the NXT Championship. You liked this match a lot more than I did. Uh, l- give your thoughts on why you, you – you, maybe you didn't like it maybe like is not the great word but you thought it was acceptable right no i, I no, was no i liked it I, I liked it okay i, I kind of i, I like it, it, it. Kind of sucked, but all right
0: i thought it was a good match i get i thought it was a very good match i gave it four stars on the dot i thought that it was a old school world title style match and i think for what they were trying to <laughs> when do you mean
1: old school you mean 1983
0: which well yeah i mean maybe but i think that um here's I don't want 1983-minute
1: events in
0: 2000. No, neither, but here's the thing, Rich, and and this is why I like it. The work was good. I thought Nakamura was good. I thought Rude was good. And the crowd was super invested in everything. So from that perspective, I can't knock them for working the style of match that they did because it was super over. I mean, you had the dueling chance for Nakamura and Rude. The people were into it all the way. Um, so you know what? They don't need to do triple somersaults off the fucking roof if they're getting – I mean, the match was over. So. Um, yeah, and I thought the work was clean and I thought it was sort of a thrack world title style of match, but I could totally understand if it bored other people to tears. But um, you know, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought I thought they did an excellent job and uh completely uh maximized uh, you know, what they would have gotten out of that style of match.
1: Okay. I, that's fair. I, I thought you know, yeah, the crowd was invested, but yeah, I thought it was boring as hell uh, the entire time. I thought it was just it, it just it never did anything for me. There was no, I didn't think it had the ups and downs that I kind of want out of a a, a a modern main event, especially an NXT main event. Like I go in there, and and maybe that's my fault for having those expectations. I go in there thinking I'm going to get something that's a little bit more dynamic, and and I guess that again that might be my fault because Bobby Roode's never going to do that. Bobby Roode's going to have a perfectly acceptable you know 80s style main event or whatever. And and yeah, I guess you're right. The crowd was into it, but I, I just thought it was boring. I didn't like it. Um, and I saw you it, made it a good. You made
0: a good point. You made a good point in there. You said it didn't have the ups and downs. You're right. It was a, it, essentially, and Bobby Roode beat him clean, and there wasn't a bunch of finisher kickouts. It was just Bobby Roode decisively beating
1: Nakamura, and it was a blow off for Nakamura.
0: So from that yeah, and, perspective.
1: And- it all made sense, too. And knowing what Nakamura did and knowing that he would debut on SmackDown or whatever, it, it worked in that sense. It was a send-off for Nakamura. So, so I get it, but I, I, I still want a little bit more out of my Bobby Roode matches. And, and I guess that's, yeah. again, that's my fault because I'm not going to get that. I know I'm not going to get that. You're never yeah,
0: getting yeah. And I just that. need yeah. to know
1: when Bobby Roode, when that glorious music hits, that he's going to come out, chant, everyone's going to love him, and then he's going to throw in a headlock for, for two minutes. And, and, and that's just going to be the Bobby Roode match. So that is what it he's, is. So, he's, he's an entrance theme. That's all he is. He's an entrance yeah. theme. He's nothing special Uh, outside of that entrance thing. Move on to the NXT women's championship match. Uh, Asuka defeating Ember Moon, uh, 12 minutes or so. So uh, a little bit of a tight match. It didn't go maybe as long as a lot of people expected, but I thought it was solid. And I thought it was Asuka finally felt comfortable and finally felt like she was in the ring with somebody who could, could actually meet her, you know, move for move. Uh, The, for the first time in, in quite a while. So I enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't think it was anything like super dynamic or whatever, but but yeah, I thought it was it was good. And and it definitely, le- you know, in my mind, it's leading to a rematch somewhere down the line. And 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 hopefully these two face off a few more times because I think they can make a really good match out of a series. I think if they go, you know, four or five matches in a series or three or whatever matches in a series, I think it can make it really work. This was kind of what it felt like the first match and what should or, or hopefully is a long feud. I didn't
0: like it as much as other people did. I, 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 I liked it. And I always like Asuka's matches, but man, you see, Meltzer gave us four and a quarter. I was like, "What the fuck?"
1: Like that, I thought it was a. Well, mis- yeah, I, I might have seen a different match than him. I yeah, that was
0: a little bit hot. of misprint. I'm like, hey, you give a star and a half too much here. What's happening?
1: Yeah, but, and um, a half sounds perfect for that match, especially knowing Dave. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, I, I yeah. it was an ex- it was an extended squash, which is what I was hoping it would be because Ember Moon isn't over yet um and i thought it would have been i thought there was a chance she could win and i thought that would have been a mistake they got to heat her up a little more um and and i thought this was a a a good match with a which told a nice story that ember moon just is not ready for asuka yet so um yeah i i I liked it but no i did not love it
1: uh my favorite match of the entire show and i believe probably yours as well, the uh, Triple Threat Tag Team Elimination match for the uh, the NXT Tag Titles, of course. Uh, the Officers of Pain retaining their titles uh, against DIY, of course, Gargano and Champa, and The Revival, Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder. I fucking love this match. This match was awesome.
0: Best match I saw all weekend. Now, granted, I didn't see everything. Um, I saw the grimiest shows. Did you see the list of shows that I watched?
1: Yeah, I, we, I, I saw like... Yeah, you... Yeah, you sent me that text, and I was like, Ew. <laughs> "Yeah, I saw the dirtiest shows." That just happened to be. <laughs> Did you watch a the, Dove Pro show while you were <laughs> while you too? Like, you know what? I need I should, I should get some Dove Pro in here while I'm uh, while I'm at. The...
0: Those the, listen. Those were the shows that were on when I was in the hotel room. I mean, I couldn't Ooh. help
1: it, you know. Like you and Case Law, I think we the only people that watched the FIP Broken Parties Tailgate Show. But yes. go ahead. yeah, I watched. I watched
0: the FIP show. I watched Jilla. And I watched Wrestle Circus versus Pro Wrestling Revolver at three o'clock in the morning. So those are the three shows I watched. But uh but yeah, this three way, um, yeah, it was great. And and you know, best match I saw all weekend personally, until I get to see some of the other stuff. That's the uh reigning that's the clubhouse leader. Um the one point I wanted to make about this is 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 Johnny Gargano to me, and I've made this point before and he proved it again. Johnny Gargano to me is every bit as good as a tag worker as anyone who has ever walked the planet. He's right there with Ricky Morton. He's right there with Tommy Rogers. He's right there with Shawn Michaels. This man has found his calling in terms of that type of tag worker. He's as good as any of them. And I, and I mean that in all sincerity, he is the new Ricky Morton. Uh, he's a, those are the three guys for me, Morton, Tommy Rogers, and Shawn Michaels. And now you could put Gargano in there too. This guy is just so good taking a beating as the babyface in peril. Uh, he, he, he connects with the crowd. He, he, he's, he's fiery in his comebacks. Um, he, 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 his execution is great. He's great. I I can't say enough about, I think Gargano is one of the best wrestlers in the company. I really do. Um, and, and again, he was great here. I really think he makes these matches as great as the revival is. Uh, Ciampa is really good. I think Gargano is really the key to these matches with these two teams. I really do.
1: Um, I, 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 Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. Well, no, I was gonna say. Anything. No, I'm, I'm pretty like, much oh.
0: done. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep fucking stroking <laughs> off Gargano here. I so just <laughs> and go ahead. And, I
1: mean, he's a very attractive man. You should do that. But um, oh, you didn't mean it that way. Okay. Uh, but no. what I was gonna say is, and especially if people know kind of the inner workings of what's going on with Champ and and, and Meltzer mentioned it too. Champ is dealing with a, an injured shoulder right now. So I mean, Gargano's doing literally the heavy lifting. Uh, for that team, and it's, it's Ciampa's great, I mean, I I love Ciampa too, but like, you're seeing it, Gargano is just so far ahead of even Ciampa, who's a fantastic wrestler, I'm right with you, and we've been on that train for for as long as we've Uh, been doing this podcast that gargano's great and people that are just now oh my god gargano's gotten really good he's been fucking good for five years but he he's on another level right now in terms of i never knew he was this great of a tag worker i always loved him as a singles but man he just gets it as a tag worker and what i loved about this match too is going in and and if you listen to my preview and you read it i i said ah the triple threat i wish it wasn't a triple threat i wish it wasn't a triple threat this joe and 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 i really would have to think about it the best multi-team match i think i've ever seen in my entire life these dudes perfectly encapsulated how to do a multi-team match. I was disappointed when DIY got out because I love the idea that these guys, because people that didn't see the match, you know, DIY and Revival realized, hey, look, as separate entities, we're not going to be able to beat the Office of Pain. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. We're gonna team up I know we hate each other let's get these guys out of the ring and then we'll do it by ourselves and it was so cool to watch them do that and watch them just you know create you know tag team maneuvers in their own heads as it's going on like Chompin and, and Dawson I think realized, hey geez we could do a double you know let's do a double uh super kick that'll be cool like the guys were just like as the match is going on they're just kind of thinking in their head what they can do and 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 how they can work together and what the, and I love that like you don't get that usually you didn't get the stupid mundane like oh the revival are outside of the ring so now it's DIY versus the you know the Authors of Pain for five minutes. Okay, now they did something to the uh, Gargano. Now it's going to be the Revival versus Authors of Pain for five minutes. Okay, now off the Authors of Pain are out. Now you're going to – you didn't get that at all. Like, it was always interaction between those three teams, and I thought it was so inventive of how they did it. And it was the first time where I was ever in my life disappointed that a team got eliminated in an elimination match. I usually say, oh, thank God, now we get the match we want with the one on one. I was like, oh, man, like that's the fun there is watching those teams, you know, kind of work together. So I thought that was super inventive. And and yeah, I agree. I think Gargano is just incredible. And I thought the revival were solid too, but I came away 100% on on Gargano, was just such a good tag worker. And and Gargano's
0: the. Yeah, he's the star of every one of these matches he's in. Yeah, he's, he's the glue. Just,
1: he's the glue that keep, keeps everything together. I mean, he is absolutely the glue guy for these tag matches. And, and that's that's not an easy thing to do. I mean, you can get lost in this. And with a match with so many guys in the ring and, and so many different teams and dynamics or whatever, if, if he still stands out, that that means he's doing something right. And, and yeah, I, I thought he just was incredible in this match. And, and, and I loved you. it. I gave – I went four and, a, uh, four and a half on this match. I, I absolutely loved it. And I, I went that's in that's thinking I was not I was gonna gonna love get. it that much. Yeah, I, I really went in thinking, oh, man, multi-team. I wish it was just singles. And I went away saying that was – I think my favorite multi-team match I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: That's, that's about where I was, about four and a half. Yeah, and, and you know that the match – you know that those two teams were excellent because after the match, all of the praise that authors of Payne were getting, these two teams made those guys look like a million bucks. And, that, and as green as they are, that's not easy to do. So, you know, when, when the third team – when, the, when the clearly the most inferior of the three teams is getting all sorts of praise,
1: um, you know that the other two teams are really doing their jobs.
0: Yep. So, um, did, yeah. just a, their
1: job is the best way to put it. a great job Absolutely. all around. Absolutely, Ulster uh, Black defeating Andreas Almas. What do you think of this Yeah. One? It was Tommy and Ulster Black's uh, debut.
0: Really or good match,
1: debut, but 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 his, his, you know his first big time match.
0: Yeah, really good match. Um, Black came off. Um, they're, they're, he's he's gonna get a big push. Um, I, I don't know if I'm as high on his debut as some others were, um, but but he he certainly came off well. And all is a guy who quietly just has good matches, but I think it's too late for him. I really do think it's too late for him. I think that the damage is done. Um, and, and I think he's a guy who's, who's always going to have good matches, but he's, he's not going to get to that next level. Um, things could change when he gets to the main roster, which he may be getting to shortly, but um, I think the die is kind of cast with him. And I, I, I'm certainly not as
1: excited about him as I was when he came into the company. Um, well, I, I put this tweet out and I don't know if you saw this But I said If, if Andreas C. Almas Summer what, He could have been So many things in NXT It could have been A total bomb Could have been A great Lucha star He could have been a, You know He could have been So many things Coming in NXT But him being The CJ Parker Of 2017 yeah. NXT I would have never in my world guessed That he would be a, a decent worker That jobs to the stars Never in my Wildest dreams would I thought That that's what He would be In NXT I thought he'd yeah, be a an magnet. I thought he'd be a complete bomb. I thought he'd be in and out of there in a month. I thought he'd be, you know, a star. I, it could have been so many different scenarios, but solid worker that jobs to guys on the way in was not in any way what I thought he was going to be. And he is. That's what he is. And now, now was, sort of was, they I turn, say. They, yeah, right.
0: they've turned the story now into, well, he's a party boy, so he's talented, but he loses his matches because he's not focused. Um sort of the which direction they're going you don't want to want <laughs>
1: Which when um, they when WWE gives you that story, it is not good and it is bad and yeah. So
0: Yeah. I mean maybe it could change on the main roster. I don't see it. I see him as mid-carter for life. Um, you know, but uh, but but Black's the guy they have it's just everything's bad. His name is back to Almas, his name is bad. Um his debut was bad, the suspenders were bad. Um it just none of it worked. And and I thought McCarron made a great point on shake them ropes this week. His entrance music is bad. And that's so important now. Like mm-hmm. his entrance music is just, it's not star music. And I know that sounds silly, but it matters.
1: You Especially know, we just talked. So music oriented. Yes.
0: Yet. And we just talked about a guy who is nothing but an entrance theme. And he's the top star. You know, that's important. You know, and, and when you combine everything, maybe he could overcome that if everything else had worked, but it didn't. I just, I don't know. I feel bad for the guy, but I just don't think it's ever going to work. He's really young and there's time, but I just don't see it. I don't see him as a guy that they're ever going to get behind. But Black is a guy who they're going to try to get behind. And, um, you know, we'll see. I think Tommy End can be a little sloppy at times. But, I, you know, I think he's a guy who gets it. And I think that he's a guy who is charismatic and does connect with crowds. So, um, you know, he's, we'll see. He's going to get every chance, though.
1: Yeah, well, what I find kind of interesting is a lot of people are, are, are sort of, in their minds, thinking that Black is like a guy, you know, similar to an Ono, similar to an Owen, similar to a Zane. Like, a guy that's a pretty much a ready-made that you could just kind of insert and get going and you can kind of push him to the top because he doesn't really need i think he's a guy that needs a lot of refinement like and that's not a a slight on time yet i think he's very good but he doesn't strike me as a guy like he's a made man you know what i mean like when owens walked in nxt it was like yeah you can do this and this but owens no he's good you know what i mean like you can put him in the main event you don't have to do anything owens knows what he needs to do he's a star he's been at star places i feel like n needs a little bit more than that i feel like he needs a little bit more refinement i feel like he needs to kind of work his way up a little bit more, but I don't know that they're necessarily going to do that. I think they think he's kind of ready-made already, and and I don't know that he is, and that's not a slight on end. I think he's very good, but I think there is some stuff that he still needs to kind of work on. There is a little bit of things that he needs to get going. There's a little bit more of a crowd, you know, connection that he has to build, and I don't know if he's quite there yet. But they sort of think I, I'm guessing by this match that they think he's kind of ready to go. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be main eventing in, in in a few weeks, but you know, you look at some of the spoilers, and that you yeah, know yeah, they 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 think very highly of him, and, and I'm not sure he's he's at that level yet and i don't mean that he's not we'll good see. You, you we'll see. Mean i level. think yeah
0: yeah i think he has the potential to be we'll see i think no he'll, i think potential uh,
1: again you said potential not he is that's the difference right. there he's not, no i he's agree he's with you i don't think i don't think he's, don't made think he's, made he's made a ready-made guy. guy no i, Cause cause I agree he's got the, all the potential in the world to be that guy i just don't know that he's there yet but i think they think he's there yet so it's gonna be interesting to see how that works yeah uh, and then the uh, opener was Sanity, Eric Young, uh, Alexander Wolf, Killian Dane, uh, Nikki Cross, defeating Ty Dillinger, Ruby Riot, Roderick Strong, and then uh, replacing No Way Jose was Cassius Ono slash Chris Hero. So,
0: yeah, uh, high, ener- I mean, high energy opener, whatever. good yeah. match.
1: You know, um, nothing yep,
0: special, high energy. <laughs> that's all um, I have to say, yeah. I thought it was a good move getting getting Ono in there, especially coming off the TV loss. You know what I mean? Kind oh, of God, redeem yeah. him a little yeah. bit. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, But they're not going to do anything with him. Um, you know, um, from what we understand, he still has the same enemies that he had the first time around. They're not doing anything with him, um, and the, and the days of his great matches are over because he won't be in a position to have them. So, um, but good for him. I you know I hope he goes to the main roster and makes millions of dollars. But you know that 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 Chris Hero run is over. Um, I thought Ruby Riot looked great, and uh, for 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 the limited opportunity that that she had, and uh, yeah, it was a fun fun opener. This was a better show than WrestleMania. I mean, it was certainly
1: oh, God, yes. yeah.
0: easier to watch and it had better matches. There were no bad matches here. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I liked it. it. It over-delivered because no one was really excited about it, but that's sort of been the trend with NXT. No one's excited. And then it over-delivers, you know, because the storytelling right. is simple and good and, and the matches usually deliver.
1: Yeah. And and the TV's become, you know, pretty mundane, but, but again, like, and we've been saying this for a while too. And I've been personally saying it as far as I've been reviewing, you know, back when I used to review NXT TV is like, people get this idea. that like, Oh, NXT TV used to be so great. And it, it was always really mundane. I mean, they told better stories overall. I think, it, you know, in, in a, in a large story sense, they did a better job of telling longer arching, longer stories or whatever, but the TV's always been mundane and, and mundane TV is okay. Mundane TV wrestling is fine. If it builds to a big show, that means a lot and, and it's fun. And that's what NXT is now. You know, you watch yes. the TV, and it's, it gives you a, a very compact one hour where it's just like, here's our story, here's what we're going to do, we're done, you know, that's it, you've had your hour a week, you're good to go, and then you build up to a big show, and that, to me, I'm still fine with that formula. I mean, I might not like the stories that they're telling as much in there, but I think there's a, there's a nice blend of, of new talent coming in, so I'm a little bit more invested in NXT than I was, you know, the prior six months, because I like a little bit of the talent that they got coming in. So, um, uh, as far as that opener, though, I did want to mention Roderick Strong looked like a fucking million bucks in that match, too. And he's a guy that doesn't usually, to me, he doesn't always jump off at the page. He can kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes, especially in NXT. But other than that match, so far and away, even more than Ono, it was like, dude, Roderick Strong just fucking awesome. Like,
0: uh, Roderick he, Strong he took over is a, that match.
1: He, look, he's a great pro wrestler. The the, the problem with Roderick Strong is,
0: is he doesn't have, it's been the problem his whole career. He's kind of bland and he doesn't have a, uh, any personality. And he can overcome that on the indies by being such a great wrestler. He's not going to overcome that here. So, He's going to be a workhorse guy and he'll hang around as long as they want a workhorse guy around. And that's what he's going to be. But yeah, he's a great pro wrestler. I mean, he's great, I think the Meltzer compared him to,
1: was just like, yeah, just fucking awesome. He's so good.
0: Yeah. And the observer Meltzer compared him to Tommy Rogers. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that or think it's fair because I think Tommy Rogers was more expressive than Roderick Strong and had a better crowd connection. That seems to be the word of the day on this podcast, crowd connection.
1: well, <laughs> yeah. But,
0: um, it's definitely
1: man.
0: I mean, yeah, but I mean, but you know, similar in, in size and build and, and, and ability for sure. Because you know how high I am on Tommy Rogers. I think you know one of right, my yeah. favorite wrestlers of all time. But um, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Strong did look great here. He always does, though. You know, he just not a great fit for this company. Certainly a guy. Who, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. He certainly, he definitely deserves to be there. But um, you know, again, that's a guy with definitely a. He's a guy with a high floor and a low ceiling.
1: Yeah, and that's that's kind of the theme of NXT right now is they're not, there's a lot of guys in there, and I don't know if they're going to maximize half those guys' value. You, you know what I mean? Like, Roderick Strong's value to uh, Company X or whatever is so much higher than what he's going to be in NXT, but I get it. These guys want the comfy thing. They don't want to be chasing paychecks. I mean, hell, you watch some of the stuff that happened this weekend with, with the indies, and it's like, yeah, I get why these guys are like, yep, I'll go to NXT. Like... Paycheck yeah. comes every week, you know, or whatever, every two weeks. It comes in, I don't have to hustle, the lights don't go out, the pay-per-views work, you know, yeah, I get it. it it's nice and comfortable. So, But, yeah, there's a few guys in there that's going to be, and that's going to kind of be the theme for the next, you know, few months. Is there's They got just this killer roster, and it's like, are they really maximizing the value of those guys? We'll see. Maybe they will. But uh, let's move on to the other shows that we watch. Speaking of those other indie shows, Joe, as we mentioned, you watch the grimiest of the grime. so I'm going to start with you. Uh, you watch Joey Janella's Spring Break. You watched WrestleCircus Circus versus Revolver at like twi- why did you did you watch that after WrestleMania? Yeah,
0: I watched it live, yeah.
1: You the you weren't thing. done with wrestling. Why what were you doing?
0: Go to bed. No, I mean, I was awake anyway, so I I <laughs> yeah, I put it on. I mean, you know, it was it was fun. I the problem with that show was um I was getting you know live DMs from people in the building and um you know, they 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 had to wrap it up by 3am and the fire chief eventually did come down to break things up, but they, <laughs> they, 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 whatever, they must've sweet talked him or something, but because the, the the first couple matches were all like six minute sprints and, um, you know, cause they were trying to get out of there, but, uh, but they did grant them a little bit more time, but, but it worked for the show. I mean, I think that that and the Janella show were perfect. For like these grimy midnight shows, just the atmospheres yeah. and the way that mm-hmm. the matches were worked, Because, you know, these, these sprints like uh, Brian Cage and Desmond Xavier and ACH and Martin Stone, you know, they just had these like six minute matches where they went ball to the wall for five minutes and it ended up working. That was the, well, nobody uh, wanted
1: to go there. Nobody wanted to sit at, at 1230 at night and watch, like, a, a wrestling clinic. You know what I mean? Like, nobody right. wants that. They just want some the sprints. They want to have some fun. They want to kind of cap off their weekend. Yeah, that's, so I think they filled that void perfectly, uh, from what I've heard from the report. I didn't watch the show, but it sounds like that's how it works.
0: Yeah, there was a wild eight-man tag with uh, John Morrison doing a character from one of his movies, and he teamed with Sammy Guevara and Ricky Starks and Aaron Solo, and they wrestled kurt stallion and dave christ and david Starr, and it was just they're putting each other through tables and just doing wacky spots then they you know they did the big scramble match with like just like 15 guys to combine the the the, the two titles from the two companies you know and a.r fox ended up winning that uh just a bunch of crazy names out of nowhere uh showed up for that one mascarita dorada worked that match and suicide worked that match because you know uh I don't know if there's any connection, Rich, but Caleb Conley was eliminated early in the match and then suicide showed up a few minutes later. So that was kind of cool. And then, uh, you know, so
1: AR <laughs> <A>. Fox, <laughs> so a. I have Fox no idea you trying to insinuate other than uh, me neither. Yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, I'm just saying it's a coincidence. Um, yeah. So, and then AR Fox and then, you know, he wins the match and, you know, he combines the two titles, the Wrestle Circus sideshow title and the pro wrestling revolver scramble title. And then Moose shows up and challenges him out of nowhere. And then he has a singles match with Moose. So it was just that kind of show. It was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, I think it's on the rest Circus. It. Uh, you know, if you subscribe to them, it's up with the rest of their shows. I think it's nine ninety nine a month or something. Um, I can recommend it. It wasn't now, Janella show. It wasn't as fun as the Janela show. The Janela show was
1: just wacky fun. And see, I didn't did you watch see that the- live and I, I didn't see it live, and I, I kind of – I was going to watch it the next morning, but I was just like, this, I don't want to watch this in the – like, I just got to reserve this, and I, I have flow slam, so it's just going to be one night where I'm just by myself, and then I'm going to put it on at night because it's got to be night, got to have a, you know, you know a beer or, or some whiskey going or something. You know what I mean? I can't, just, I can't just watch it at 9 a.m. in the morning with a bowl of cereal, right? Like, that's disingenuous. I mean, I, I watched it sober, and <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I but mean, you watch it at night. It's got to – you got to have yes. a little bit of the night factor, right? Like, I can't watch it with the sun rising.
0: It's a nighttime Unless show. Unless the sun's rising sure. at
1: 4 a.m. Unless I'm up at 4 a.m. And the sun's rising. I can't, yeah, 10 a.m. I can't watch it at night. You know, you, know, you got to watch it at night. So I'm going to wait a little. I minute. mean, you got you got
0: 60-year-old Dink
1: eating Veda
0: Scott's ass. So, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't get any grimier than that, right? I mean, and then she got her teeth knocked out.
1: So Yeah, you know, well, with, was with an, gruesome, yeah. Yeah.
0: With an errant super kick in a match that also involved Glacier and an invisible wrestler.
1: So, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just. The invisible wrestler thing with that. Awesome. I watched some of the gifts and, and, and like, yeah. um, all ego, like throwing them over the top or whatever, and the people selling for it. It's just it awesome.
0: Yeah, I yeah, like it. catching them on the die. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, I yeah mean, the invisible great. wrestler was fantastic. Um, and the Janela Janetti match was just madness. I mean, they did. <laughs> what was it? Six or seven ref bumps in a row. And because they kept teasing Hebner, but it, like different refs kept coming out. And then Janela would just kill these refs with pile drivers and, you know, just these wacky moves to kill the, and then finally, you know, by the seventh or eighth ref, Hebner came out as promised, you know, the run in by Earl Hebner, which was promised. And, uh, you know, Janetti was doing, you know, Janetti did a Canadian destroyer somehow. <laughs> on bad I mean, it was just a wild time, you know, and, um, you know the Matt Riddle Dan Severn match. I mean, that was a sight to be seen. Um, it just everything, top to bottom, was super fun. You know, Matt Tremont had a death match for the you know GCW title with Eddie Kingston and bled buckets. If you're into that sort of thing, it was just a. It was exactly what you would think a show with Joey Janela's name on the marquee would be. And I'll tell you, this was brilliant marketing by Game Changer Wrestling. The only problem though, Rich is I guarantee you that about 75%, 80% of the people who watch this show have no idea that it was a game-changer
1: wrestling show. I barely did until I did that preview when I had to look up who it was. So, yeah. Everyone everyone thinks that
0: that this was like a Joey Janela produce show. (laughs) It
1: wasn't. Janela produce.
0: But, you know, it's like he's just a wrestler for the company, and they cleverly
1: marketed this around
0: him, and they had a ton of buzz for it, and they're doing it again next year. But how many people can tell you that it was a GCW show, or, or can tell you, you know what I mean? So from that perspective, they kind of failed. This show did a million, just it did, it did a million things for Joey Janela. This guy, Joey Janela, was the winner of the weekend, in my opinion.
1: Uh, as far yeah, him as or, him, or guys him or Keith Lee, I put him and Keith Lee as the uh, the MVPs of the weekend. So.
0: Because Joey Janela, I mean, as far
1: as,
0: as MVP of the weekend, yeah, maybe that wasn't Janela. But as far as the big winner coming
1: out I of the mean, weekend, I shouldn't mean the MVP. I meant winner instead of MVP. That, that's
0: I mean, it is, it is Joey Janela. I mean, because this guy's going to get booked everywhere now. This show put him on the map. And I mean, this is a guy that we've been talking about for a few years. Um, you know, he, of course, being a New Jersey guy, and then he started getting booked in Chicago, so you started seeing him. And he actually didn't like us because – you didn't really like Joey Janela all that much. And you would kind of bury his matches on Twitter. And he was a Twitter follower of ours and saw all of that. And, and, you know, he told us, he's like, I don't I don't fucking like you guys. You don't like my matches, but I always liked the guy. And then you kind of started to turn the corner on him. Well, I'll let you speak for yourself. You started to turn the
1: corner on him, yeah. I think, after a while, right? Yeah, I saw a few more of his matches and started getting it. Once you kind of get what he's going for and get across, you know, what what, what is – you know yeah when you see him the first time it's kind of like yeah you know he's kind of this sleazebag guy yeah I didn't like the one match he had and there was a few that I saw and I just didn't like it and then once you start to get it and once he kind of clicks with you you like him and 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 he's a guy that works his ass off and I think he really understands to me I I love a guy that understands the branding of his character and the branding of his persona or whatever and he does a great job of that like down from the t-shirt to the glasses to how he enters the ring to how he exits the ring to how he wrestles once you kind of get it and see if few of his matches, understand what that character is supposed to be and what he's really personifying. Once that clicks, you get it. Then he's a dirtbag, and, that, and that's when I yeah, exactly. Once you understand, okay, I, I get it now. He's a dirtbag. Yeah, that's it's exactly. Yeah, and once that clicks for you, you're good to go. And that's how it was with me with, with Janela. Yeah, and 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 you know,
0: and and he's never going to
1: be the, the super worker. You know, he's coming in and I'm like, ah, this guy's work's not that great. And it's like, it's not what a Joey Janela match is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a super worker match. And once you realize he, that, it's fine. He's going to get booked everywhere now. I mean, he, is the, he was the clear
0: winner coming out of this. And uh, the problem is I don't, think, I, I don't think the Game Changer is getting much out of this because everyone thinks this was a Joey Janela show. And, you know, it, it was a Game Changer show. Their heavyweight title was on the line. It, all of their, you know, guys like Kyle the Beast and Jimmy Lloyd and, like, all of their local guys worked this show. This was a Game Changer show. Leo Rush beat Keith Way. And everybody went nuts on Twitter because, you know, Keith Lee, uh, why is Keith Lee losing again? He lost at Evolve. He lost at this. But here's what people don't understand, Rich. This was a game-changer wrestling event. Leo Rush is like a semi-regular event. That was the right booking decision. This is not just because it aired on on, uh, wherever it it aired, uh, just because it took place at WWN, this was not a show in the WWN universe. See what I'm saying? This was a game-changer wrestling show. So, you know, things like that that upset people, you have to understand, this is a promotion that runs full-time in New Jersey. They've got their own little stories going on. So, you know, that, that, there was – but the problem was, I don't think they marketed themselves as well as they marketed uh, Janela. I mean, Janela came out of this as a brand-new indie star. He already got booked for the SCI. He's in the Scenic City Invitational this year, coming off of this weekend. I don't know if you saw that. So, yeah, it is. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. A- already he's getting booked in the Deep South. And he's going to get booked everywhere. There's no question. He came out of this big winner for the
1: weekend. Yeah. Um, He's, he's winner number one. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for for sure. sure. And, and uh, you know, the other one that, you know, I saw the FIP, the broken tailgate show, that was the third show (laughs) I saw that was Sunday morning. And again, it was kind of cool because they wanted to make sure people got out of there and got to mania on time. So the matches were all short and condensed. And a lot of the guys looked tired, which you can understand. I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, guys like Fred Yehi, what was that? Like his sixth match or something, and Sammy Callahan. It might have been his hundredth match. Um, you know, ACH, Keith Lee. These guys were retired. Elgin, um, you know. But uh, the FIP show was 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 a lot of fun. Everything was good, and it was short. You know, you were in yeah, it. That was like
1: ninety minutes, right? Yeah,
0: something like ninety minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. and uh, and John Davis got work because you know I, you know I love John Davis. I'm probably the biggest oh, yeah, John Davis absolutely. fan around. He beat Martin Stone for the uh, Florida Heritage title. You know, the uh, everyone everyone's a big fan of the Florida Heritage title. But, <laughs> covenant, uh, yeah, the the, the
1: much-coveted Florida, have you?
0: New Champions, fans
1: John fans, Davis. Fans. But,
0: uh, but, yeah, there you go. So I saw the three grimiest shows of the weekend. <laughs> I haven't seen Progress. I haven't seen Rev Pro. I haven't seen Evolve. But, uh, but I saw the midnight shows, and I saw the show that took place at 10 o'clock in the morning. So uh, that was my week. But, Rich, it works out great. Because you saw the complete opposite. You watched all the stuff that I didn't.
1: Yeah, well, except for I, I wanted to watch the progress live, uh, but that uh, obviously did not work because uh, this is going to surprise you, Joe. WN Live had a bunch of issues and did not work for people. So. You don't say. Yeah, so shock of all shocks there, and the PR was awful. <laughs> it was just a mess that entire day. Uh, so I have not seen that show yet, and uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, as far as the other ones, the other stuff was kind of going over, going on at the same time, so I wasn't able to watch as much. But I was able to watch both Evolve 80 and 81, uh, so I have pretty detailed thoughts on that. I did the review, uh, wrestling.com for Evolve 80. As far as that, when you watch that show, you should watch the whole show, because I thought it was a, a really, really great show uh, from top to bottom. Uh, the matches, though, that really stood out for me, two matches, uh, Ricochet and Keith Lee and ACH versus X-Sabre. Uh, Rick Shivers Keith Lee was everything that I wanted it to be in, in my preview for it and everything that I wanted it to be in, in, in my thoughts in my head of like, OK, when I get Keith Lee and Ricochet in a match, this is how I want it to go. And it went exactly that way. And it was just incredible from beginning to end because you have you know, the dynamic, of course, of big man Keith Lee versus, you know, the high flyer Ricochet. And for people that might not know a lot about Keith Lee, you know, that that was a cool dynamic, too, because Keith Lee's this big ass dude and Ricochet is, you know, who he is. So you see this and you go, OK, I know how this match is going to work or whatever. And the beginning of the match was that where Ricochet was kind of flying all over the place and Keith Lee was kind of swatting away at him and, and tossing him and doing stuff like that. But for people that know Keith Lee, you know that whatever Ricochet can do, Keith Lee can almost do just as well. So then Keith Lee starts throwing drop kicks, doing leapfrogs, doing moonsault, doing topes, and that's when the match just went on our next level, is that when you can see Keith Lee go, okay, you know, I've thrown you around and you're still coming back for more, now I'm going to show you that I can do exactly what you do and I can do it just as well as you do, and that's what just makes Keith Lee amazing. Like, he then was doing a drop kick sequence. He was doing, you know, a, a, a beautiful moonsault that just looked incredible. I mean, like, everything that he does was, was just so, so awesome. And, and credit to Ricochet as well, because Ricochet sold his ass off in this match too, because when Lee wanted to kind of hone in on the big match offense which which he would do for a time he would throw a little bit of a drop kick he would do a moonsault he'd do this sort of funny thing and then also just do an amazing choke slam and just toss you know Ricochet across the side of the ring because he can do that because he's keith lee but Ricochet was doing such a good job of just bumping his ass off anytime keith lee threw him around so i thought that was a really cool part of that and yeah just a match that you absolutely have to go um go check out because uh the finishing sequence was, was just awesome because ricochet had to go and do a bunch of different moves ricochet had to do next level moves i got to do you, you know it's not enough for me to hit the benedriller because lee kicked out it's not enough for me to just hit the springboard 450 it's not enough for me to hit the shooting star press he had to go with the 630 to finally get Rick, uh, keith lee down and that makes sense keith lee's giant and ricochet is not so it need, he needed a lot of those moves to get him so uh, pretty cool in that sense I, I apologize that Hans found the loudest toy in our entire house to uh to now squeak so um but uh, yeah, and then the other match that I uh, really love from Evolvi, and, and again, watch the whole show because it's, it's pretty solid, except for there's one part that I'm not going to tell you about, but is absolutely a train wreck. The, one of the worst things I saw all weekend. I'm not going to tell you. I want you to Well, what was it? Most I most need
0: time to time know to if it's it. one of the worst things all weekend. Uh,
1: it was the, uh, there was a segment where, okay, so, so Ethan Page defeated Austin Theory pretty easily. I uh, just kind of were getting the over that Ethan Page, you know, was dominant in this match, and he was going to then face Darby Allen at Evolve 81. So then uh, Darby Allen comes out in a body bag. So this is obviously Darby Allen. Everybody in the world knows it's Darby Allen. So the gatekeepers then kind of, like, do a bunch of moves to the body bag. It's so sorry. They, they They lift the body bag over and, and toss it outside the ring. Now, this body bag was brought out to the ring by a bunch of zombie nurses. You, you remember the Chamber of Horrors match? How
0: can I not remember story? that? That was a tremendous match. Of course I remember and the I, Chamber I, of Horrors. I link
1: it I, I link it in my Evolvated review, so if anybody hasn't seen the Chamber of Horrors match, you can watch it in my review. Uh, you know how there was those zombie, like, druids or zombie nurses or whatever the fuck they were? Well, those came out again. And so the gatekeepers tossed this body bag onto the group of, of zombie nurses. Then they unzipped <laughs> the body bag. This is not Kaiju Big Battle. This is Evolve. This is in the middle of a very good Evolve show. This is why it was so. This is why it was stunning. If this was on the Spring Breaker or on Kaiju Big Battle, make what? No, it was in the middle of Evolve. So then they unzip the body bag, and to to everyone's surprise, Joe, it's Darby Allen. And they played it up, and they made poor Lenny Leonard have to go like, oh, my God, it's Darby Allen!" And it's like, everybody knew. And this thing went on for like 10 fucking minutes, Joe, I'm telling you. It was like, it died an absolute death. Everybody in the crowd is just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this might have been worse than the Randy Orton-Bray Wyatt thing. It made no sense. It was so stupid. And everybody involved is good. This feud has been good, too. I have no idea why they did this. And the way they played it up just made everybody feel really awkward and weird, because Lenny Leonard had to play it up like he didn't know it was Darby Allen, And, and what, there was yeah. zombie fucking nurses. Like, why were there zombie nurses? It, it, it's just, to, oh it sounds something like it's just totally out of context for the promotion. So that's yeah, why it, something it, like
0: that's not going to work.
1: And it felt, I mean, nobody made a, a noise the entire time. Everyone's just like, <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of that, like awkward, like, <sighs> like there wasn't laughs, there yeah. wasn't shrieks. It was just like, what, what are we doing? Like, why is this happening? But uh, yeah, so. Anyway, uh, then the main event, though, uh, I think a match, my favorite match the entire weekend was Zack Sabre Jr. versus ACH. I went, uh, what did I do? I went four and three quarters on this match. Really, I, I think you're going to love it. I think it's absolutely something you're going to love um, because it was no bullshit ACH, too. And, and you know me, I, I've seen him a few times in in, in AEW do this, and I don't know how many times you've seen that. But ACH is, is great at, at, you know, being the happy-go-lucky guy, being the dancing fool you know being the, the you know always smiling doing that sort of stuff he came out no dancing nothing he was straight faced and he was like I, you know i want to win this mid this is a big deal to me and he wrestled the entire time like it was a big deal and the fans were all on ach's side Saber was the, the super heel. And the other thing, too, is what I love about Saber is it was sadistic Saber. You know, sometimes Zack Saber can be wrestling clinic Zack Saber. You know, I'm playing around with you, Zack Saber. I can, I can put you in these funny holds, Zack Saber. This wasn't that. This was I'm fucking going to hurt you, Zack Saber. And that's my favorite one when he's just out there and he's just making these holds matter more. They, they're they meant to inflict pain. They're meant to just torment his opponent. And he absolutely did that. And, and what was really cool, too, is, um, you know, ACH was able to do a few, a few comebacks here and there and, 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 and do a little bit. Of, You know, he would get on a a run and and do a great move off the top rope and and, and get a little bit of momentum. But on each and every turn, Zack Sabre would just lock him in a submission. I mean, that was the entire thing is ACH can do whatever he wants and do his flippy-doos and do all that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter. ACH is going to lock him in a submission when he wants. And that's how the finish was, too. I mean, you should definitely watch the match. I'm kind of glossing over a lot of it because I know we're we're, we're a little low on time here. But ACH went for a 450, and just as he happened, you know, Zack Sabre locks him in the armbar, and it's over. And it, it, it wasn't a long match. It wasn't a ton of kickouts. It wasn't a ton of back and forth or whatever, but it told just a super concise story. And that's what I said, like ratings for me, a lot of time is, is, is what is the story of the match? What are you trying to get over? What's the point? What are the two guys who's supposed to get over? All that sort of. This is perfect because it was ACH who would get the momentum a little bit, but Zach Sabre was just the better wrestler at this time. And ACH didn't try to fuck around. ACH just did what ACH does best. And it just didn't work on this night because Zach Sabre is smarter and better at, at the ground game and smarter and better as a wrestler right now than ACH. And that's what it was. ACH didn't look like a geek he just looked like a guy who wasn't ready for Zack Sabre yet. And Zack Sabre looked like a million bucks when it was all said and done. So I thought my favorite match on the entire weekend, uh, I'm interested to see when you eventually uh, do watch it, uh, what you think of it. Cause I thought it was incredible. And, and I saw uh, everybody enjoyed it. I think I was probably the high man on it. Cause I was really invested in the story and I love both those guys too, but I was kind of the high man on it, but, but still just a match. I think everybody should watch this weekend of all the, the main event, but you should definitely check out the ricochet Keith Lee match from Evolve 80 as well. If you don't have time to watch the entire show, which I would recommend because uh, as an entire show it was great. As far as as far as Evolve, uh, Evolve eighty one, uh, my favorite match on the entire show, and there was a Freddie High Matt Riddle match, which is uh, as you can expect pretty good. But the main event to me was incredible. That was Ethan Page versus Darby Allen, and 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 just the the idea that that was the main event of Evolve eighty one, the main event of the kind of the cap off of Evolve that entire weekend. When Joe, do you remember how this feud started?
0: I do. Yeah, last year at WrestleMania weekend, I was sitting in the front row with my Seattle Supersonic shirt.
1: And Darby Allen, for people that don't know, was a guy that went to the tryout, impressed him, and they put him in a squash match. So we got yep. squashed by Ethan Page. And In and Dallas. There's nobody better at the long-term story than Gabe. You know, we give Gabe a lot of shit for some stuff. There's nobody better than the long-term story than Gabe, who told this year-long story of Darby Allen as this guy that came out of nowhere, Ethan Page bullied him like an asshole, and Darby kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back and kept coming back, and Ethan Page it drove Ethan Page to insanity of, like, just leave me alone, man. <laughs> like, I, enough of this. And this was just an awesome, awesome brawl. It was, it, it was one of the better kind of plunder matches I've seen all weekend because this weekend was filled with plunder. You know, there was no shortage of plunder on this weekend, but I thought this was far and away my favorite plunder match in the entire thing. Darby Allen's a nutcase and will— just do every can to kill himself, and in this match it was great too. Ethan Page was right there with them, but absolutely, I, I don't want to spoil too much from it because I think it's a really good match that people should watch on their own if, if they're kind of invested in the story too. But that was the main event of Evolve 81, and absolutely recommend my favorite match of the entire show, uh, Ethan Page versus Darby Allen. A lot of tables, a lot of ladders, a lot of brawling, chairs, weapons, all that sort of stuff. But it worked out. It wasn't. It didn't feel like a, a, a hardcore match just to be a hardcore match. It felt like this is a match that needed to be finished this way. Barbie Allen needed to be a bloody mess when this match was over. Barbie Allen needed to be jumping off ladders and doing that crazy shit. It, didn't need, it, it couldn't have been a wrestling match. It needed to be that, and, and I thought they did a great job blowing that feud off. Uh, but yeah, that was the two that I saw. I did not get a chance to watch ROH yet. I have it in my queue. I'm, I'm ready to watch it. I just haven't had the chance. And I was going to watch it Monday and then I was like, I'm really sick of wrestling. So it's going to take a few days away. So I am going to watch Ring of Honor because I've heard some good stuff about that. Uh, but Evolve 80 and 81 were the only other uh, shows that I watched. I watched little bits and pieces of other shows, but those are the only two that I really saw enough of to to talk about. So uh, that's our, our WrestleMania weekend. But anybody who hasn't watched anything, we have voicewrestling.com. Uh, we have an entire section that's all WrestleMania weekend stuff all of our reviews all of our previews so if you want to catch up over the next month or whatever you want to watch some shows we have all the reviews there so you can kind of understand what to uh to pick and choose and, and what to watch as well so we did a great job i think uh the weekend and not just uh you know all of our contributors i think did a fantastic job covering everything that we could possibly cover so i think we did a great job with that and, and yeah everything's on there uh at voices so joe um we're a little bit limited on time here. we got about a half an hour because WrestleMania took too much. Uh, we wanted to talk about some news. Do we want to wait for next week so we can re- uh, preview uh, Sakura Genesis, or do you want to go through the Sakura Genesis? Do you think we can get to both in a half hour? How invested uh, are
0: you? We can well, we quickly do the Evolve stuff. I mean, they, they took some lumps behind the scenes, no matter how good their shows were. I mean, Drew Galloway was scooped out from underneath them, clearly on short notice based on the booking, because they had to do emergency booking at Evolve 81 to sort of uh, – uh, get Drew super Galloway super
1: show, rather.
0: A, a super show. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. To get Galloway out of the main event for the for the WWN like global t- whatever they're calling the title for all of the companies, which Matt Riddle ended up winning. Uh, so they had to do emergency booking to get him out of that because he had to go show up at NXT, and uh, clearly WWE blindsided WWN with that. Um, it, it, it that relationship clearly is on the rocks, and I think it started when WWN signed with Flow uh flow is obviously the enemy of wwe wwe sees it that way um you know and, and and now we come to find out that uh wwe sent a cease and desist order to wwn live over the weekend uh not a lot of people know that yet um because apparently wwn was what were they doing they were um they were, painting, were they handing
1: out- uh access yeah so they were sending, handing yeah. out pamphlets of hey come to come to evolve come to WWE super show yeah they had they had guys out there you know Giving, handing out pamphlets, trying to get wrestling fans to come to their shows, and well, they got an old T and D. So,
0: <laughs> their, their close business partners, WWE, sent them a cease and desist order for uh, handing out flyers out in, the, I guess, in the parking lot of Access. I guess, um, so there's another little layer here. And then uh, a couple days after WrestleMania, WWE schedules an NXT takeover in Chicago on the same date as an evolved date. And then Evolve had to move their show to the afternoon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, look, we've sp- we've spoken ad nauseum at this. I mean, we see what's coming here. And I, we could also tell you that WWN did not know that WWE was scheduling that NXT until WWE announced it. They found out when everybody else found out on right, Twitter that day. Out. Okay, on Twitter that day is when they found out. Gabe found out about 10 minutes before he went on his long Twitter diatribe explaining how the relationship's healthy. And this and look, that's the stuff he has to say. You know what I mean? He can't publicly bury WWE or express frustration at the things that they're doing because he just can't. Anyone with a brain can understand why he can't do that. Um, But just to give you an idea, okay, obviously they got blindsided on the Galloway thing. They got blindsided by the NXT announcement and they got hit with a cease and desist order all in the span of 72 hours. Okay. So when people tell you, uh, try to convince you how healthy that relationship is, just look at this past week. Okay. That's not good stuff. Um, you know, so it, it, it's, 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 that's WWE. And you know, this is why Rich constantly retweets that Dave Meltzer quote, that this is 1984 all over again. You know, and some people don't want to accept it, but just, you know, look at their behavior towards the company that they supposedly get along with. You know, just think about stuff. And that's, that's what progress needs to think about. (laughs) Because, I mean, it's, it's, you know, that's how it's going to be. But yeah, those are just. And
1: I thought this was a big weekend, you know, big pressure stuff. This is a big weekend to see the predatory WWE stuff. And and, and again, like yeah. all the moves that they're making, people are going, oh, well, you don't – they're all great moves by WWE and, and good moves by the guys that are doing it. More power to Drew Galloway. Guaranteed checks now. I don't have to travel around the world. I'm backing it. Cool for him. I don't – full because I know people confuse the two. Great moves by WWE. Go ahead. Knock yourselves out. Do whatever. But understand what's going on here. Understand that this weekend, in signing Drew Galloway and in retaining Jim Ross' announcer – they not only were, were, were showing, you know, in the Drew Galloway thing, you know, sending some shots of Volve's way and sending some shots of Ryan's way, but the Jim Ross thing, don't, don't, don't think that that's not a shot at World of Sport, too, just as the Drew Galloway thing was, too. Who was, was going to be the, the lead announcer? Who was going to be the lead? Yeah, exactly. Who was going to be the lead announcer for World of Sport? It was going to be Jim Ross. Who was going to be a big part of it? You know, they didn't formally announce him, but he was going to be a big part of it. It was Drew Galloway. Who was going to be a big part of what culture for wrestling moving forward? It was going to be Drew Galloway. Galloway. Who was going to win the 128 man tournament? Mr. Galloway, Galloway. So there's 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 something there there's there too I mean that's, that's just as long and the short of it so this is a weekend that they really show themselves as what what this year is going to be and people don't like it people see, keep getting mad about it keep, people keep getting upset and conflating that we don't think great moves by WB knock yourselves out if this is how you want to act and this is what you want to do hey more power to you you have the right to do this you're a big business you can throw around whatever you want but you know understand that this is what's happening Understand it's 1984, so if you want that again, knock yourself out. If you don't, if you're one of these people that, that bemoans all oh, the loss of the territories, then you can't come around right now and be rooting for WWE, doing what they're doing. Because that's, that's, this is our new reality now. This is 2017, as you said, beginning of the year. You know, 2016 was, was kumbaya. 2017 is war. Yep. And, and 2017 we're
0: is, is, yeah, it, it, yes. To, 2016 was all, oh, wow, this is so surreal. Everyone's working together. That wasn't going to last. 2017, like I said at the beginning of the year, was the year where we were really going to cut the meat. And this is where WWE is really asserting themselves. Look, the bottom line is it's, these promotions are faced with, with, with a choice. They can get steamrolled. Or they can join forces and get steamrolled with a smile. I mean, those are your two choices. What is progress supposed to do? They can't fight. So, you know, you, 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 you join up like WWN did, form an allegiance, and then they just crush you with a smile on their face. You can't win. It's almost better to lay low so you don't get,
1: get their attention. All right, which is our new Japan. Thing that we said is like, ah, eh, Kadani, right. just we're back off, buddy. You got to get thing going he, in Japan. Just you know,
0: yeah. And it's like at least he has the guts to fight, and and he comes out publicly and says, "Look, you're either with them or against them, and we're going to be against them." And when I say root for Kadani, when I say root for Kadani, it's not because of some you know weird bias towards New Japan or it, it, look root for anyone who has the ability to you know not succumb to this because wrestling is better for all of us when there's options it's better for the wrestlers it's better for the fans when there's options that's why you want kadani to be successful here that's why you want something to happen on ITV that's why you know you want tenate to get a better TV deal it's good when there's options for everyone i'm i'm not thrilled that progress is in bed with WWE because progress is going to cease to exist at some point. That's the reality of the situation. And I like progress a lot, but all of a sudden they're having issues with the licensed music and they're preparing to be on the network and they're going to lose a lot without the licensed music. And it doesn't matter because soon they're going to cease to exist. I mean, I, I, nobody wants to hear that, but it's the truth. Progress soon will cease to exist. I don't know what soon means a year, two years, five. They won't be around in five years. They will not be around in five years. It's, it's you know, the rumor we're hearing is, is I, I don't even want to get into it, but, but they're not going to be around. So is that good? It'll be good because you can see progress shows on, on the network, you know, for a couple of years, and maybe eventually get the archive up there after they scrub all the music. I guess that's good, but I'd rather just progress exists. I was enjoying progress. But we can't have nice things. They're not going to let you have nice things. Just their thing. So, I mean, I don't know if that makes us some sort of wrestling hipsters. I just – I want options as a fan.
1: Yeah, I want wrestlers I think it, to have options. You, and I think the the last part you brought out you should want there to be multiple healthy companies. You should want it because it's better for the wrestler. If you really are a wrestling fan and you want, yeah, it's a great moment for uh, Jimmy Havoc to be on WWE or whatever, but you should want Jimmy Havoc to maximize his, his value and maximize his earning potential in wrestling. And if there's one game in town that, that, that only matters, and, and that's really what it's been for a long time, and it was starting to change there a little bit, and WWE realized that and said, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> We want to control the market. We want to control the leverage. We want to control this. This is our that's industry. Bingo, bro. you guys bingo. are And
0: that's and that's where Gabe was wrong in his long Twitter rant because he brought up that. Um, oh, he brought up market like,
1: share, which he's so lost he, at that. It's yeah, not about he, fucking he, market he, share. Yeah,
0: it's not about market share. He said, you know, anyone who thinks this is like 1984 doesn't understand that uh, no one, you know, that that WWE, if they wanted the whole market share, they could crush everybody in a second. The thing is, this has never been about market share. This has been about leverage. And that's the word that you brought up, and that's the key. It's leverage. It's eliminating leverage for pro wrestlers is what this is all about for WWE. They don't want ITV to start up because that gives these wrestlers another viable option. They, They want to eliminate that and bring all these guys in on the cheap. They're trying to eliminate leverage. They have the market share. No one's cutting into that. I mean, you know, maybe they're afraid of, of that to some extent in Europe, but here in the United States, they're not worried about market share. It's about leverage, th- 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 you know. And and I don't know. It's 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 a little scary. I don't want them to to you know eliminate these promotions that I enjoy. You know, it's it's I want these places to exist. And and I, you know, I I it, I don't know. I, I it's it's kind of an exhausting topic because. Yeah. So many people are blind and just don't understand and don't see what's going on. And I don't know if it's because they're young or they're naive or I don't know what the reason is, but um, you know, it's not, it's, it, it, it it's not good what's going on. It's just not good. And, and uh, you know, it's just look at their actions towards above. And, and that's all to me. I, I think it's because they, they chose flow and I, I I think they view flow as as, as, as the enemy, especially in terms of, um, and we talked about it today
1: and we talked about when it happened too, because we said that, that, and and everybody said that WWE gave their blessing. And I absolutely believe that Gabe said, Hey, there's this offer. And WWE went, Hey, you know, you'd be stupid not to take that, take it, but understand, you know, you're the enemy now. Right. And you know, there's a handshake and they said, okay, you know, (laughs) you know, we're not going to, you know, kill you. We're not going to absolutely, but you know, understand that we're not buddies anymore. We're cordial.
0: You know, we say hi to each other. How but, many um, how many how many pictures have emerged lately of Triple H and Gabe peeking through a curtain holding Starbucks yeah, no, cups? Not Doesn't many. happen anymore. Now they send them cease and desist letters.
1: So <laughs> but, hey, William Regal, William Regal was at a side. I love that idea. And again, like, you know, I, and it, and I know he's not he's got to do this. He's got to play this PR game. But but using the idea that William Regal was at one of your seminars as here's how healthy our relationship is. <laughs> I mean, when when you the, when you when the you the talent complete, scout is at one of your seminars and yay, yeah, he's there to pluck more
0: of your guy which is fine because that's where <laughs> hey, you, that's where you are in the Oh, cool! But
1: when, Can I come watch? But, yeah, sure. <laughs> like, but
0: but when they're blindsiding you with the Galloway thing and they're blindsiding you with the NXT thing, I mean, you know, come on. But uh, you know, it's it's I get it. I get why he has to put up. I, I understand completely. And anyone yep. should. He can't trash them publicly because, you know, cause, and they can crush him. Then he can yeah, lose yeah. a potential job down the line. I mean, Bingo. I'm sure he's
1: Gabe's angling for
0: game. a job. Yeah, yeah he's, he's playing the long game. game, and I can't blame him. He he no. cashed out with the flow <laughs> deal, and now he's he's hopefully he's trying to set himself up for a job down the line.
1: Want there's nothing
0: wrong pressure. with
1: that. I don't blame him. But all, so. there's
0: nothing yeah. wrong with that. But but let's just see it for what it is. You know, let's be honest about it.
1: All right, let's preview this uh, New Japan show. We don't have to go match-by-match match with this one. I want to talk about the big three matches more than anything because I think those are the ones we really focus on, including the main event, which I think we could probably – Actually, uh, we got we,
0: we have to very quickly bury FEW because
1: oh, they – Oh, right, yeah, yeah.
0: You previewed all of those shows, and then none of them – like, I think they ran one show. They had <laughs> – this is the information we got. They had – remember, they were a they were the company running, like, three shows a day, like, uh, at, at their school or whatever, their dojo uh few uh their midget show drew zero paid they had a show that drew 10 paid and they had another show that drew 30 paid so they ran their first show took a mat i think there were 10 paid at the show that they ran 10 fans he paid all the wrestlers he paid everybody that worked that show and then he canceled the rest of the shows because the midget show had a zero paid advance the women's show had like a 30 fan advance or something so he canceled all those shows He canceled the lucha show, which Ultimo Guerrero was supposed to work. Now, the CMLL guys who he booked, they never got on the plane because they wanted an advance. They never got it, so they never came to Orlando. But some of the other luchadors did show up, and then they didn't have a show to work on, and they were just stranded in Orlando because this guy canceled. He canceled all the shows because they drew no advance, and then he turned off his phone and disappeared. So this is the grimy underbelly of WrestleMania weekend and the lesson that should be learned with oversaturation. Because FEW had, what, Rich, like 12 shows scheduled or something? And I think they ended Some up running one. They, were,
1: they were running literally every minute of the entire weekend. So
0: Right, and they ended up actually, I think, running only one show. And they canceled everything else. And, uh, you know, supposedly, uh, who was it? Willie Max that finally tracked the guy down. And, um, you know, after he turned his phone off and he was like, yeah, I, I don't know whatever came of it. I don't think anybody else got paid, obviously, because the guy had no money. Uh, you know, I'm, you know he, he made that lonely walk to the ATM to pay everybody for the first show that had 10 fans there um you know so it's just a lesson i think we've hit the crescendo of wrestlemania weekend events there were something like 70 events scheduled this week that's not going to happen next year because look at shikara Chikara drew what like 90 fans or something that was Come embarrassing on, i
1: don't know the exact numbers but they did not do maybe it.
0: like 150 or something whatever it was it was terrible um you know so we've reached peak you know and and the companies that did well did really well ring of honor record business there were 3,500 fans. That's a, that's a record for them. Progress. What was it? 1,200 fans rev pro a thousand fans. Um, the WWN stuff did well enough, uh, you know, right around a thousand fans, but it was, you know, if you were Chikara or if you were F E W, uh, you didn't do so hot. You know, we were even told that game changer lost money on the Janela thing. I mean, they're coming back to do it next year based off the buzz, but, um, We were told they lost money. There was a lot of, uh, you know, people who snuck in and didn't pay for. T- they, they had a lot of problems with that. Show. So, you know, even the shows that sort of had this perception of being successful, you know, didn't even make money. Although I'll tell you, Wrestle Pro drew five uh, five hundred fifty fans. Good
1: for them. I oh. I don't know how, uh, <laughs>
0: but big win for New Jersey. Wrestle Pro draws five hundred fifty fans. And Joey Janela and Game Changer Wrestling have the most buzzworthy indie show of the weekend. So, listen, Rich, you can't fuck with Jersey, man. How'd Chicago do it, WrestleMania weekend, Rich? Nobody ran.
1: <laughs> Who yeah, ran? yeah,
0: that's right. Jersey owns WrestleMania weekend,
1: pal. We bring <laughs> it's because you sleazeballs like Florida. We just stay away from Florida. We find it too scuzzy for us. You guys find it home, so. Yeah, how how dead is Chikara these days? I mean, no buzz. They can't even draw at WrestleMania weekend with a million fans down there. I mean, well, did they even what advertise? A, like, I know I know that they like block us and they make sure that we don't see anything. But like, did, was there any? I didn't hear anybody in the world talk about going to Chikara.
0: What Not a dead promotion! just said
1: they were coming to Chikara? Just a dead promotion. It's just that shutdown killed them. And then you know,
0: uh. I think the intergender stuff is just a niche of a niche of a niche of a niche. I think most wrestling fans don't care for that. A lot of people are turned off by it. Other people just don't like it in their wrestling suspension of disbelief issues. It's just, you know, they they disappeared and they came back hardcore with the intergender stuff and they lost all of their good talent. It's just a lot of students now who aren't very good and it's just a dead promotion. I mean, there there was a time where you can make the argument that Chikara was a top or three indie promotion in the US, I, I would they even be top ten at this point? I mean, they're just so far off the radar of everybody. Um, they just it's just they just stink. I mean, Chikara is just a dead promotion. I don't know how else to put it. No buzz at all. No one talks about them. Um, maybe Chikara Topia is doing really well. I I don't know. Um I'm sure all their hardcore fans are very loyal, so I'm sure they all uh are subscribers. And I hear it's a good service, but as far as buzz goes, that promotion is just dead. I mean, you yeah. don't know. I don't even know who their champion is right now. I couldn't even tell you. I don't know. Whoever beat Kimberly, Kimberly. Lee, I guess. I don't oh, know. I thought
1: it was still Kimberly.
0: <laughs> well, no, she she's in WWE. So, I mean, I... Oh, yeah. Duh, someone, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, never mind. Right. Yeah. Someone beat her, I
0: guess. I I don't know. I just, I don't yeah. know anything that's going on there. Um, You know, maybe, maybe the silver ant. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I'm not even going to look That up. mysterious, mysterious masked silver ant. I don't know, you know, could be him. All right, do some creative editing here so we can uh, get a few more minutes to talk about this. I, I I think we can talk about the top two matches. I really just want to talk about the top match of this show. And for people that are curious, voiceforrestling.com, we have a preview right now of this uh, Sakura Genesis show, uh, which is the successor of Invasion Attack, the formerly named Invasion Attack. Uh, all eyes are really on it. It looks like a good card from top to bottom, but man, all eyes are on that main event. Uh, Okada versus Shibata, a match that we have talked about for years in the show. And Ben, I think the most ardent defenders of hold off on it, Hold off on the Shibata push. Hold off, hold off, hold off until it means something, until it means a lot, and you can make it special. And I think they have absolutely done that to a T. I've seen some people say, hey, maybe hold it for a Russell Keena. Maybe they didn't hold it enough. What are your thoughts on that? Are you okay with them doing it on this show? I mean, it's obviously in a sumo hall, so it's a big deal. I'm fine with the placement of it. I could see people wanting it for a bigger, bigger show, but I'm okay for it being on this show, for them waiting for this moment to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be a fraud. I've been saying all along that Shibata would win the 2017 G1, and then headline against Okada in the Dome. I got the year right. I just got the tournament wrong. Uh, he won the 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 um, New Japan Cup instead, and he's going to headline Invasion Attack, which is one of their biggest, their big four, aside from Wrestle Kingdom. So um, they're not wasting it at a you know whatever Dontaku or New Beginning. This is a big time show, and uh, we we looked into it today, and it looks like it's going to be a sellout. Depending how many tickets they're putting for sale, it could draw over ten thousand fans. So it just, the build was successful. It's another feather in the cap of Okada who has been on fire at the gate since last, since the G1, really, he's just sold out every show he's been on with the exception of the dome, which had growth over the year before with an unproven, you know, with, with Omega getting his first big time main event. So Okada has been on fire uh, business-wise for the company, which is just another argument to keep the title on him. Really? I mean, all of his main events do exceptional and uh credit to Shibata as well. This was the year I thought they'd push him, they followed through with it. And uh he's a top guy now. He's he's part of their uh you know, big four, big five. And um I don't think he'll win. I don't think he should win. Um but this is a you know, there's no need to have him win his first uh, you know, shot at the belt. It it would surprise me. It would surprise me if he won. But I think the bigger story is that the show is it looks like it's a it looks like all sections are sold out, and um you know, it looks like the pe- it's weird with sumo halls. Sometimes they don't put all the the seats for sale. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can sit. Sellout. Yeah,
1: sometimes they'll have the one pad be for one person, or sometimes they'll put two people right. on a pad, or you know, it, it's different than it's not seats. You know, in all the same sense. So it's a little bit more interesting in that way. So
0: we'll have to see the final number. So sometimes a sellout's like ninety five hundred. Sometimes a sellout's like eleven thousand. So we 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 don't know. um but it looks like it's a good chance to be a five-figure. Either way, it looks like a sellout, depending, you know, regardless of how many tickets they put up. But, uh, right. so
1: feather, another... I was going to say, a feather in Shibata's cap as well, and a feather in New yeah. Japan's booking cap as well, because we've yep. been talking about it for a while. This is the most protected match in New Japan, and they've held it off and held it off and held it off yeah. for so long. And I looked at some of the numbers, too, and it's amazing. You know, Only 43 times since Shibata has been back in New Japan have those two faced off, even in the same ring. Right, Okada, Okada and Tanahashi two hundred times they faced off since Okada came. I mean, it, it, of course, there's a few more years in there, but still, it's obnoxious. Like they just don't even have these guys face off in tag match. Like they keep those two so far apart. They have had one singles match in 2013, Jingle and Climax, and they haven't done it since because they knew that that was one of the, the one of the bullets they had. One of the a, a bullet in the they, they were able to always say we still got this in the holster. We can still use this. Later yeah. down the line. We're gonna make this mean something when it does actually mean something. They didn't throw it away on a New Japan Cup. They didn't throw it away on a random G one match. They didn't throw it away. They, they didn't throw it away on a, a Road Two show. They didn't throw it away on a destruction in, in wherever show. They they held it off for a big time moment to sell out a big time arena, and that's absolutely what they did. So Yep. They used it when they needed that. it. They didn't they yeah.
0: didn't burn it when Nakamura and AJ Styles were still around and they had an abushi. They waited till they needed it. And uh, it, it, you're right. They kept them apart ever since that G1 match. I don't think they've, they've barely faced each Have they even been in a tag against each other since that G1 match? I don't think they have. They've kept them uh, I, Yeah, I'd have apart. to look. I
1: mean, there's, there's probably been a few, like, multi-man tags, but it's very, very rare. I mean, w- when you consider how many – and it's 43 times. It's not TV. That's, like, events, too. That's, like, house shows and that sort of shit, too, that accounted counted. So, right. 43 times on any New Japan event have those two been in the ring at the same time in what? Five, what are we talking? Yeah, almost five years now at this point? Yeah, yeah, that's incredible I, so they've just been kept completely
0: apart so and and and, and there you go it's going to do big business as a result and imagine if they would have listened to all the goofy fans who wanted to burn through that match and like yeah 2014, 2014 it would have been on
1: a yeah, new japan cup 2014 match it's like what the fuck no <laughs> like yeah what happened three years ago on some shitty new japan cup second round and it would have mattered it would have been stupid so yeah, when there was it,
0: no need to push shibata yet
1: there just wasn't right need. exactly because they had other stars and other people
0: drawing. And that's what we're going to start hearing, you know, with, you know, Sonata and people like that. There's no need to push those guys yet. You know, we talk about it all the time. You know, we can, we can do incredible if me and you booked, we can kill it for a year, but you can burn through everything if you want, or you can hold it off until you need it. Very patient booking in new Japan. It's, it's not for everyone, but it's worked for them and it's, it's, it's worked for them business wise. So yeah, it is a huge match sort of lost in the WrestleMania week shuffle. You know, it doesn't have a ton of Western buzz as much as you think because of, you know, it got absorbed by Russell,
1: yeah. WrestleMania weekend, but
0: clearly it's starting to gain a little bit Japan. now.
1: It's starting to yeah. get a little bit now too, which is good. And that's what this whole week was. And that's why we did have to absolutely talk about it. Cause we're both hyped for it. I'm super hyped for it. We had the uh, preview up on the website right now as, as you're listening to this. And we'll of course have a review when it goes up, but it's starting to build up a little hype now, which is good because everybody was kind of lost in WrestleMania shuffle. But but now we kind of got it a little bit. So uh, the rest of the card looks great, too. Again, we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it, so unfortunately we can't do that. But uh, definitely check out our preview, uh, voiceresting.com and, and, again, check out – we're going to have a, a review on the website, and we'll be tweeting about it uh, in the buildup, because now it's, it's pretty much the only game in town for the next few days. So we'll, we'll definitely be doing a lot of coverage on it and, and focus on it. But, uh, Joe, anything before we get out of here?
0: No, just quickly, I think Zack Sabre Jr. is going to beat Goto for the Never title. So got I got Zach four belts, huh? He's doing that belt collector gimmick. So, yeah, and right. I, I think they're going to go, I don't, I think he's, I think that's a lock. I really do. I think that's the, uh, an absolute lock. I think that's more of a sure thing than Okada. What do you think of
1: that? Wow. Uh, I don't know. That's. Uh, mm. right, yeah, and I, I, I think Okada, yeah, okay. I think Okada,
0: yeah. I think Okada is like 95%. But I think Zack Saber
1: Junior is like ninety nine point really? nine nine percent. Yeah, I think that's he's a, that's a that mega match. push for old Zachy. That's yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm in on it. I like it, but yeah, that seems that seems ambitious. I don't know. We'll will, will find and I mean, out. It's I Goto. Do, I, you
0: can beat Goto. It doesn't matter, right?
1: That's that's always the thing. It's Goto. So, and he can get over by losing more than he gets over by winning. <laughs> a lot Goto's of time, having so. Go, Goto's having a sneaky good year. I bet you that's an awesome match. Oh, yeah, I said that that was one that, that it might not be when it's all said and done. People might not look at it as the best because the main event might be, but it, it could steal the show. Absolutely. It, it could be that for sure. Uh, real quick, I did want to mention this because um, I ran the numbers and for people that don't go to the website and read the, the pre- preview and just listen to this. I want them to know this. Uh, so there's a Los and DJPon DiJapan match. There's a Bushi, Evil, Sonata, Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice, Robinson, Ricochet, and Taguchi. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, you are not wrong. Here's the stats I ran. These are our per our friends at CageMatch.net. Uh, Naito's had 22 TV and pay-per-view matches in New Japan this year. The number of those to feature at least two or more of his Losin uh, Go- stable stablemates, so a multi-man but not just a tag, a multi, you know, three to four or whatever, right. is 17. So 17 yeah. of his 22 matches this year that have aired have been, you know, multiple Lij member tag matches.
0: And usually
1: 22. Uh, 14 of those 22 are against Tanahashi. Yeah, there you go. So in some form or fashion, thirteen of the twenty-two have been with Kushida, and twelve of the twenty-two have been against Ragu- uh, Taguchi. Another. Yeah, I bet like, and I bet like nine of them have been Elgin. So it's it like is. yeah, nine was I didn't include him because I could have went down the list, but yeah, it was nine Elgin. I think eight Juice Robinson. Like it's literally been the same fucking match all year. All I am four, so, all I am guys. so,
0: yeah. I am so sick of that fucking match. I am just so sick of that fucking match. And uh, with the with the bloated roster they have now, they're you know they're not booking the young bucks till August. They're not booking Elgin for a couple tours. It looks like Yoshi is done with the company. It looks like Bone Soldier is done with the company. So they're doing you know they're doing some creative things with the with the big roster that they have, but yet they keep doing this match over and over and over. And I, Rich, I don't care how good it is, I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of this match. I, I, I it's always good, but. How many times can you watch the same fucking thing before you're like, I, enough? I'm tapping out. It's always the same, too. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's it. We'll, we'll, we'll. Yeah. Well, someone will review it next week. I don't know if you'll be around. Yeah. We'll figure it out.
1: We'll get somebody. So don't worry. We'll have a review for sure. Uh, we'll have coverage as well uh, throughout the week and on Twitter and all that other good stuff. So make sure you're going to com to check out the rest of our columns, the rest of our podcasts. Uh, make sure you're subscribing on iTunes or however you get your podcasts. And also make sure you're uh, on our forums, com slash forums. A lot of good stuff going on there. So make sure you're checking that out uh, and participating. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Grach, and we'll see you next time on the Voices of Wrestling podcast. Take care